This podcast is brought to you by patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. Head there to check out exclusive podcasts like Talking Futurama, Talk King of the Hill, the What a Cartoon Movie podcast, and tons more. I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy everybody, welcome to Talking Simpsons, where we try to put a tiny thrill in your gray little lives. I'm one of your hosts, your half-inflated Dark Lord, Bob Maggie, and this is our chronological exploration of The Simpsons, who is here with me today, as always, in the same room. Rock-a-doodle-doo, you're listening to Henry Gilbert! <laughs> and who do we have on the line? Our special guests. This is uh, Nick Pruer, and I'm the host of the Bleeding Splish Splash Show. And I'm Joe Pickett, and I have a hankering for some pork products. And this week's episode is The Auto Show. Mayor Quimby honored the aging supergroup in a ceremony at City Hall. I guess you could say he was trying to tap into the spines of the young voters, huh? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, let's play the tape. This week's episode originally aired on April 23rd, 1992, and as always, Henry will tell us what happened on this mythical day in real world history. <gasps> oh my god! Oh boy, Bobby, the Freddie Mercury tribute concert happens abc broadcasts a series finales of who's the boss growing pains and macgyver and uh los angeles reacts to the rodney king verdict uh i thought the riots were over the cancellation of macgyver yeah they were very mad that macgyver went away and who's the boss too and not a cliffhanger actually yeah Yeah. (laughs) Uh, an interesting time here especially when this episode includes a riot but i feel like it's a i'll get to it but i feel like it's a reference to a 1991 riot it's Mm -hmm. just uh, a, a riotous happenstance here but again macgyver's last episode happening right when the simpsons is making macgyver jokes a regular thing with patty and selma as it's being canceled with these finales abc is giving the 80s a lethal injection <laughs> the true. 90s have truly begun yeah. and i remember that freddie mercury uh tribute concert as a kid like i was i had just gotten into as a 10 year old queen or nine year old because of wayne's world and then I see the Freddie Mercury tribute concert stuff on TV, and I was like, wait, he's dead? I just started getting into this guy, and he's, he's dead now. And well, you know, I heard they made a great movie about him. Ugh, yeah, yeah, made by a, a great guy, direct, <laughs> a wonderful director. Good. I didn't see it. Can we just stop? I want to stop all biopics. I don't want Elton John. I don't want an Elvis. They've been dissected to death. I just think we should put a moratorium on well, them for a while. The thing that I do with those uh, biopic movies is I just don't watch them. That's my thing. I just don't even watch Interesting. It. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Hmm. I just I'll avoid, have to try them. That. I avoid them altogether. Yep. The Queen one, I hated that it was lip syncing too. Like that, you know, at least in that Rocket Man one, the, the guy they got to play, Elton John, just sings his own stuff. Like it, uh, I, I just hate when it's like a good actor who then they just open their mouth and they're just lip syncing <laughs> along. And they're, they're also wearing like Austin Powers teeth. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, oh, Henry, as a Queen fan, do you, the song from Queen that I just can't stand is Radio Goo Goo, or <laughs> is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. I, I know it's trying to be annoying, it's about how the radio is just a bunch of blather and, you know, Radio Goo Goo, Radio Gaga, and, and I guess that's how Lady Gaga took her name and all that, but the song is just genuinely annoying to me. I don't know. I, I'm not. I guess I'm not the hugest Queen fan, but I, I'm okay with Queen. But it's that song and the the riding my bicycle song. Mm-hmm. Are they the same song? Mm-hmm. Because uh, they're just no. as irritating. <laughs> I think they're years apart. Okay. Uh, no, it's well. Part of the 
fun with Queen is that they really are like a, a novelty band that just rocks really hard. Like mm. Fat Fat Bottom Girls is a joke song. Like it's a, it may as well be a novelty song, except it's played so big that uh, and sung so well that you don't think it's like yeah, it is about how, uh, not to get ahead of ourselves with Spinal Tap, but. How different is that from Big Bottom Woman, the joke <laughs> song that Spinal Tap wrote? You know? <laughs> That's true. That does reframe Queen for me a little bit, you know. And then they make a stadium rock sort of anthem that actually just is played in stadiums. Which yeah. one came first? Day. The Queen song came first, right? I think so. I think it was late seventies. The song, yeah. yeah. And the movie is mm-hmm. eighty four. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. And uh, yeah, also I already made everyone uncomfortable with the Rodney King thing, but there's other there's another bit of history here uh, that's uncomfortable. The week after this is the finale of the Cosby Show. Oh, and uh, that the, the the Simpsons was playing against the entire time, and uh, the Simpsons then did a dedicate. So the night Cosby Show airs the week after this, the Simpsons air two Bart episodes as a radio Bart and three men in a comic book up against it. I think it was their counter programming of like, look, you're a little kid who likes Bart. You don't want to watch Cosby. So uh, watch the Bart episodes. They did one original send off to Cosby on on the show. And, and I have the clip from it. Uh, a rarely heard bit of Simpsons uh, ephemera is their dedication to the Cosby show ending again. Thirty one years years ago when this aired. Little Theo, you grew up before our eyes. Hey, Dad, how come they're taking the Cosby show off the air? Because Mr. Cosby wanted to stop before the quality suffered. Quality schmality. If I had a TV show, I'd run that sucker into the ground. Amen, boy. Amen. (laughs) They called it. Yep, the, the bitter irony. <laughs> I know. Isn't it? <laughs> uh, wow, Simpsons yeah. predicts it again. It's pretty amazing to hear that line said in late season three of like yeah. I'd run that thing into the ground. <laughs> but back when the idea of a TV show running for more than ten years was absurd, like okay, maybe Cheers and Mash, but that's it. That's mm-hmm. all we'll allow. And we have a theory that the Simpsons running this long has given license for everything to run much longer than it should have. Yeah, but I was gonna say like this this era like 92 i feel like this is when we're like kind of getting out of the 80s now like everything's dying off cosby show's going away macgyver's going away we've got the riots and now simpsons is hitting its stride i feel like we're like fully into the 90s at this point maybe like this is the start of the 90s 1992 but i mean obviously still at least for simpsons writers some nostalgia for the 80s when you're talking about having spinal tap on and making a comeback and i don't know sort of referencing them in this episode too well, you know if this was a movie this would be where the the first strings of uh, smells like teen spirit would be coming in it'd be like the 90s <laughs> truly begin <laughs> that's who bart should be a fan of uh, before we get ahead of ourselves though uh, let's introduce our special guest today we have joe pickett and nick pruer from the found footage festival they're currently on tour to premiere uh, their new movie chop and steel welcome to the show thanks for having us thanks for love the show thank you oh thanks it's been uh, we we had on uh, nick uh, a little more easily, but uh, Nick and Joe together uh, was last one of our last in-person recordings before uh, lockdown. It's uh, nuts. February of 2020, I think, something like that. Yeah, it was right on the cusp. Yeah, I don't, but I don't even think we weren't even really talking about the pan or about COVID or coronavirus, whatever we we're calling it then. I don't even think we mentioned it, did we? Was it like in the news? It was barely in the news. I think it was happening maybe in China at the time. Didn't seem like a. a bad thing at the time i remember going like oh i because I, I, I remember reading headlines of like oh in like china or also japan was starting to lock down stuff I was like 
boy, that's crazy over there. Well, that never happened here, though. Uh-huh. And, yeah. uh, we, we only came into contact with the jokes, not the virus. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then Nick and I flew from your uh, studio, well, the apartment, and flew to England for like a 12-day tour, and the, the audiences diminished as that tour went along. So we'd see like <laughs> 10 fewer people at every show, and then finally the last one was like for four people. Uh, yeah. yeah, I was in Liverpool, and they were like, do you still want to do it? And we're like, sure and we did it and there were some really dedicated people who showed up but then it was like oh we should we shouldn't have done this because the next day we had to fly home and there was all these um you know will there be rules about flying from another country and i remember that it was the scariest flight i ever had coming back from manchester to new york i wasn't wearing a mask yet but i got a bunch of hand sanitizer you know and was nervous about anybody coughing next to me but there was some stag do that was a bunch of guys from Manchester flying to New York to have a big bachelor party. I remember one of the guys having some hand sanitizer and I guess the bachelor, the guy getting married was the bald guy and the guy was sitting behind him and I was watching him the whole time squirting little bits of hand sanitizer on the bald head <laughs> and then all his buddies were snickering you know all these lads. That might have saved his life though. <laughs> I think that's it. Yeah. Um, and so I was watching that. So they clearly had no pandemic concerns about their stag do, but uh, everybody else was very nervous. I remember being flight. on that flight and sneezing once, and just you'd think there was an active shooter on the airplane. Like, <laughs> everybody turned mm-hmm. around and looked. Yeah, they didn't realize that as at the dawn of the pandemic, uh, hand sanitizer was like a hundred dollars an ounce. It was like cocaine. <laughs> I know they were just wasting it willy nilly, like full. And I was snorting it too. So, like, <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. It'll get yeah. you there. Saved your life. <laughs> and uh, and you guys are, are touring around. You're about to, what, well, the time of this recording, you're about to, to come to San Francisco. But you guys have a brand new movie, a documentary out. Yeah, it's called Chop and Steal, and we are actually the subjects of it. We didn't yes. produce it. We didn't make it. But, yeah, like, Nick and I, we do a show called The Found Footage Festival. We find VHS tapes at thrift stores and garage sales. We've been doing it in our entire adult life since, like, 2004, almost 20 years we've been doing this show. And then, what was it, like? 2017 we got a federal lawsuit filed against us we started doing when we'd be on the road we would do these morning news shows right if we were in uh, sacramento we'd do wake up sacramento but then uh we realized it was very easy to get on these morning news shows and so uh, we wrote up fake press releases for fake people and uh we tried to get those fake people onto the morning news shows it was very easy and uh, we did this. I mean, since Joe and I have known each other since we were 10, we have nothing left to talk about. <laughs> so when we're on the road for 120 days a year, this was our entertainment. It was like, oh, let's let's instead of booking ourselves on morning shows, let's see if we can get a ridiculous character on. And it, it yeah, it ended up working better. Like these fake people got booked way more than we ever did. So you might remember uh, Kenny, the yo-yo expert, Kenny Strasser kind of made the rounds. This is our buddy, Mark. Uh, conceived of this with Joe and and they started doing these morning shows with a yo-yo expert who didn't know how to yo-yo um, yeah. promoting environmental. Well, Mark had no yo-yo. idea how to yo-yo, but that's not how we would sell. <laughs> we'd say like, oh, he won the Kyoto International and he'll be coming to your town. And we'd... so Mark had no idea. How... So we'd have Mark show up with like his yo-yoing arm in a sling or like one time he showed up and he brought the yo-yo, but he forgot the string. And so, you know, and it would just be awkwardness. We got him on seven morning news shows. And then, uh, what was it, like three years later, we're like, oh, let's just let's just keep doing it. So then uh, Nick posed as a celebrity chef named Chef Keith, and the idea was for him to come up with the, the grossest recipes, like chicken and like 
cranberries and mashed potatoes all blended up into a blender. And so uh, the- <laughs> made into a smoothie, you know, and then we'd say, hey, try a little bit of this, you know, to the news anchor. And they did. They just want to keep the show yeah, running. Most of them you know? would gulp it right down. And then mm-hmm. we're like, let's just keep poking the bear. And like four years later, we wrote up a new press release saying that Nick and I were a strongman duo called Chop and Steel. And you can't see us but we aren't strong at all we're doughy (laughs) i would say we're more doughy we got on three morning news shows and then we found out we were getting sued in federal court and so that's really where the documentary started Uh, we had a documentary crew follow us as we were getting sued and uh hilarity ensues now it's funny now like when it was happening we were we weren't laughing yeah i I encourage all of our listeners to check out the trailer for sure Mm -hmm. for the movie you guys are coming around to uh doing live shows around alamo draft houses uh across these great united states (laughs) right yeah we're touring it around the country and then um actually i think we're gonna see john Vitti in um los angeles um he and his wife george meyer's sister uh always come and check us out in la they're the first to buy tickets and so we're gonna see them next Next week but um yeah and then after that it'll be video on demand so everybody can get it on you know apple itunes and all that on uh may 9th so if you're interested in seeing the movie at home you can you can do it that way chop you can see all of our tour dates there and steel is s-t-e-e-l-e steel as part of these you know acts here like what like do you guys look to things like spinal tap for inspiration of of how to play characters improv scenes like these the one thing I thought about is I remember on the Spinal Tap um, Criterion Collection DVD, there was an episode on where they went on the Joe Franklin show, which is a local New York talk show by this older guy named Joe Franklin. And they just sent a press release to him and said they were a real band, you know, and they got on. They got on as Spinal Tap and talked about their history in character. And Joe Franklin was a square. You know, he didn't know that they were fake at all. So they went on and did a full appearance on the Joe Franklin show as Spinal Tap without uh, anybody from the staff, let alone the host, knowing they were uh, not a real band. And so, I mean, I, I, I didn't think about that at the time, but one thing that I... I realized was that when you wear a a stupid costume, it's very easy to just be that character. I think the other thing is, is like, you're kind of seeing it from a first person point of view. So you don't realize how stupid you're being. You're just playing the reality of where you are, you know, and the, the, the news anchor doesn't realize you're fake either. So they're, you know, just doing what they would normally do. And I think the, the one time, Joe, you said you came close to breaking was when I was, you had, we were doing these, unimpressive feats of strength and one was me throwing sticks at joe's naked back so joe's facing away from me holding his shirt up and i'm throwing sticks at his back yeah and no and, and, and you look in the monitor is that no, what no, no. I, I, like back? i was facing towards the other anchors who were waiting to go on after us and they were kind of like had their arms crossed and like just the body the body language was just like and they're looking at the the ground and that, that was when i was just like oh this is the stupidest thing ever and i almost cracked then but <laughs> <laughs> thinking about their reactions to yeah, it yeah but most of the time it feels like you're robbing a bank you know and it feels like the police are going to get called like when you're done doing this but uh they never did i mean they're just so frazzled in the morning that they're just like all right let's bring on the strong men here they didn't even bother to look there was one place that actually did see how we looked and he's like you guys aren't strong men we're like no we are we are we're strong men he's like ah i'm not gonna have you on so <laughs> one had sense but, but one but yeah one journalist did their job but, but yeah. then 16 others let us on so that's yeah. uh no that joe franklin one i i looked that up i i cracked out my uh my blu-ray and 
Unfortunately, it's only like two minutes of it that was uh-huh. on this Blu-ray, but it was. The, the funniest part to me was watching the clip was Joe Franklin, it's it's the end of the show and he's wrapping up and I do think he's starting to feel a little, he, I, may, I, I feel like he is starting to think like, wait a minute like these guys have funny responses but there's another person who's like uh another guest who's like paneling on the couch and he's asking like real questions like so what's it like to play these places like he's very interested in in spinal taps tour is the audience are they laughing at spinal taps jokes or are they not really getting it i think they they didn't seem to be really reacting much i didn't hear much audience reaction no Hmm. it's uh but i gotta check that out that sounds fantastic one thing yeah and one thing i was thinking about in in watching this episode and and one reason why i think at the time i remember seeing the promos for for it my dad introduced me to spinal tap you know at a formative age so you know it was one of our movies that we loved and seeing the promos for it and i was like oh this is going to be the the two things i i love the most converging and and the reason i think i was a little disappointed at least with the beginning part of it was that it was scripted you know and spinal tap had that sort of kind of without a net feel in that you know i'm sure they had bits and written out but like all the the christopher guest movies they sort of knew you know things they had to hit but they didn't script it and because animation is so precise it had to be scripted and i've thought about but that because on this tour we've been asked to like do things in character as chop and steal the strongmen and we're just like no if this <laughs> if you're in on it it's not funny to us you know if it's yeah like a a planned bit then it's not we funny. were on tosh.0 like during the lawsuit and they wanted us to come on in character and we're not really i don't know i wouldn't say we're that kind of comedian we're not really like sketch character guys we just did this on the morning news shows and we rehearsed the lines and we got we knew where we wanted to go with everything and there was a lot of uh, improvised stuff on there but to go on there in character and it's like oh we're playing these characters now it was a little bit uncomfortable because he what he asked us serious questions but we have to be jokey characters answering serious questions about the loss i don't know it was just weird yeah i think they they do capture the the voices of the characters but uh... Uh, thinking about it after watching it again, I, I thought like, oh, this is just Spinal Tap fanfic they're writing. <laughs> mm, they're yeah. just they're fans of Spinal Tap and writing their own fan fiction. <laughs> and then <Yeah>. they kill them. <laughs> and they kill the band. That was that was a great. I like that they had they just their tour bus exploded. That I know. I, I, I watched it the other day. and I was like, I'm expecting them to like crawl out of the bus. Nope, they just killed them. Just, no. just fully dead. <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah. Well, and last preamble thing actually, and I nearly forgot to to ask this, but I was like, oh wait, Nick's here. I have to ask. Nick, are you aware? of the most recent appearance of Alf on The Simpsons that and real Alf. Yes. So uh, I got a lot of emails okay. about it and uh so that was I don't watch every Simpsons episode anymore but I did go and and watch that one and uh yeah it was like he wasn't even in pog form. It was a totally different Alf appearance. So yeah, that was that was well on my radar after the fact. Yes. And, and I was impressed. Well, I guess I shouldn't be that impressed because Al Jean worked on Alf and he has uh, Paul Fusco's phone number so he can and he can get Alf on the show. Paul's been in his ear for quite some time about playing Alf on The Simpsons. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I think uh, probably in his opinion, Alf hasn't appeared enough on The Simpsons, really. Did he get the, the guy who did Alf's voice on there uh, on the Simpsons episode? They got him. Oh, it's wow. him. Yeah. Still yep. around. OK. Yeah. You know, Nick did an Alf show on our uh, network, on our found footage network. Nick, did you ever get Fusco on the show? No, I tried. I emailed his assistant. Um, I emailed. Uh, yeah, I tried, but he's uh, stonewalling me mm. thus far. So, Paul, if you're listening, I'd uh, love to have you. And we, we watch an entire season in a row on Twitch now every year on the the debut of September 22nd, the debut of Elf. We watch, so we'll be watching the entire uh, third season 
uh, in September of this year. And Paul, maybe he could call call in. ALF has never been more available than right now. Like Shout Factory made a new deal for ALF stuff. Mm -hmm. And I I don't think they're out yet because I would have bought them. But I think they're putting out the new. I didn't buy the previous ALF DVDs because I knew that they were the syndicated cuts, not the broadcast cuts. So they were shorter. And I believe Shout Factory is supposed to be releasing the real cuts of ALF, not, not the syndicated ones. That's what I've heard. Well, those those true fans uh, went to Amazon.de and bought the German <laughs> versions that are the uncut versions. So, uh, uh, <laughs> Wait, are you calling Henry not a yeah. true fan? Yeah, yeah basically. Right, yeah, that's, that's kind of what I'm getting at. Uh, yeah. But uh, listening to Talking Elf, my new podcast oh, no. <laughs> coming soon. Uh, but I guess, yeah, this this episode is an interesting one. It's called The Auto Show, even though like it's like half an auto show. And it's yeah. really, it's, we've said it before, late in the season, they're getting punchy. Like they're, it's funny on the commentary, Jeff Martin is even goofing like, oh, this plot really doesn't work. Or he's like kind of saying like, oh, this, oh, there's auto in the episode. Or wait, why did Bart learn this lesson? All this stuff. Yeah. I mean, they correctly point out on the commentary, uh, this is the end of Otto. They were infatuated with the character uh, in the early years. Uh, he's designed to look like writer Wally Wolodarski. Uh, he's really a relic of the time period he was created. And I think that uh auto was it's the, the misfortune behind auto is that he was created at the, at the like almost the exact same time as both bill and ted and wayne and garth because i looked up to see when they were created they they both premiered in february of 89 the first wayne's world sketch february of 89 and bill and ted's excellent adventure was in theaters in february of 89 they are developing the simpsons then and that kind of a character was new like the heavy metal stoner in popular entertainment i think that by season three by 92 it was no longer a fresh idea Idea. So auto is really shoved to the background. And to this day, there has never been another auto-dedicated episode. The closest that ever came to that was, uh, I think it's season 11's uh, Mad, 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 Mad Marge, in which act one is about him getting married. But to date, there has never been any more in-depth auto stories, period. Huh. But I feel like maybe a couple years later was uh, Beavis and Butthead, right? I mean, like... Yeah, yeah, just the next year. The yeah, but people just love the dumb guy characters, the dumb stoner characters, don't they? I mean, you can't. I can't get enough of them personally. I could take them all day long. Every pot joke on the show, Otto can... Otto shows up for a pot joke uh, yeah. a lot, but yeah, like... <laughs> more than three jokes in an episode very rare for Otto and I I think this is also the end of like Otto was originally written if you see him in the first episodes of like he's the one adult Bart trusts and he's like Bart has a bad day at school and Otto's like oh man here's some advice this is also kind of the end of that too like I think yeah. we get to know Otto so well that Bart no longer really looks up to Otto man and I also think that Harry Shearer doesn't like doing the voice and now that he's uh, 80 I think he really doesn't like doing the voice so <laughs> it, it sounds tough it it sounds rough on the yeah. 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 Just doing impressions, it, it kind of hurts after a while. Yeah, and I think that, you know, there are some Simpsons characters where it's really fun that they expand them out and do a whole episode based on them. You get to know more about their inner life. Like, I think Skinner is a good example of that, where I think they did some interesting things with him and learning more about his relationship with Mother. And I loved that they expanded that. But Otto, I mean, he is almost better coming in and being like, you know, uh, one of those guitars, it's like a double guitar. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. when it's just that, like, 
one bit or, you know, smells like Otto's jacket or, you know, like, I, I don't know that there's much more depth to that character. I, I think he's like a Fonzie or like a Kramer or something. It's like, you love him when he's on there just for a couple scenes, but you don't need a mm-hmm. full episode of him. Yeah, you know, it's funny. We mentioned the Castor Theater earlier. Or, uh, was that off mic? Yeah, I was off mic. We were talking about it. But at the Castor Theater, that is where I got to see an original 35 millimeter print of the movie This is Spinal Tap. And it really is something to see it with a big audience. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I saw it for the first time a few days ago. Uh, I, I'm 40 years old and it's the year 2023. <laughs> so Spinal Tap has a bit of a different effect. But when I saw this, my parents had to tell me, oh, there were some fake movie from some, sorry, some fake band from some movie like last the last decade. And I was like, okay. I, I searched for that movie forever when I was a kid. Like no video store had it. Suncoast yeah. didn't have it. And even today, it's hard to get digitally. Like you cannot rent this movie. You have to buy it digitally for $15. So I pirated it. I'm not going to <laughs> pay you $15 to watch a movie once. I'm sorry. I bought the DVD. I was the same way though. Like I, I'm from a small town in Wisconsin. And I remember one kid in my school talking about Spinal Tap. And I could never see it because our, our video store was a gas station. You know, like that's where we would go. And they didn't, uh, they didn't. I guess they didn't order Spinal Tap. So I didn't see it until college. So that was a, yeah. So I'm a late bloomer too with Spinal Tap. I don't think I'm wrong. The Simpsons popularized Spinal Tap because it was not a popular movie. And there's there's stories in the commentary from people who were there when it was in theater saying nobody got it. Mm-hmm. Nobody understood that it was a fake band. My mom did know it. I, it's kind of like uh, Nick with you and your, your dad, you mentioned. Like my mom did know it and she told me like, this isn't a real band. That's the joke. It's the characters from a movie appearing in it. And they're really funny. I don't think I saw it until in the year 2000, I believe was when the uh, a non-criterion DVD of it came out. The Criterion version is still one of the most like sought after Criterion and out of print uh, ones there is. But... I, I think I recall it has a commentary track where it's the characters basically doing a riff of the movie, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got to dig that out of storage. I didn't realize that was so rare now. The Criterion one especially, yeah, it's apparently pretty rare. And uh, mm. and yeah, I like, uh, then I got to see it in the theater in, in 2011 on, uh, this was so cool, the cast were like, the guy made sure like he contacted Studio Canal in Europe to, be, to have it sent to San Francisco to play the original print of, wow. of the movie. It was really great. And wow. I just rewatched it a few weeks ago, and I, I gotta say, I thought it was funnier now than I've ever thought it was funny. You know what I mean? Like, I loved it in college, but I feel like maybe I didn't get all the jokes. I feel like now I get all the jokes. Well, uh, now you guys have lived... You guys have lived a touring life as well, like like the Spinal exactly. Tap. <laughs> oh, it spoke. It's now we're the aging touring touring group, basically. <laughs> it spoke yeah. to me. Yeah, and these guys are all like in their late thirties making this movie. They're not even that old. <laughs> yeah. No. I. You know, it is. It was funny. I rewatched it this last week, uh, and I still I still love it. But it is funny that the I think I like as movies more the later guest trilogy of films that are filmed pretty much the same, like uh, Waiting for Guffman. Mighty Wind and Best in Show. I I love 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 all three of those. Like I, th- but so it's funny to go back to like '84 when this. It's not the first mockumentary. Right, like right. it's not the. But this being made in that kind of way, it is kind of the first of that. It was a real trailblazer. So you can see they learned a lot of lessons in making it since then when they're making the that trilogy of movies. I think uh, Rob Reiner is the weak link in this movie. Mm. I'll say it. He's the not funny fourth friend who's just hanging around. Yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah. I know cool comedians. I'll, I'll be <laughs> yeah. in the movie too. <laughs> but I forget, uh, well, Paul Schaefer's funny and Fran Drescher. Yes. She's so good. Like, I I mean, I forget that she was like, I mean, of course, UHF and, and The Nanny and 
Cadillac Man, but like as one of her early things, this is she's really I, funny in this. I love her speech to the guy explaining what the cover of Smell the Glove is, and he goes like, "Yeah, yeah." Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 the, the like she goes. Somebody said uh, they say it's sexist, and then uh, I think Nigel says, "What's the matter with being sexy?" <laughs> yes. Like no, sexist, not sexy. Oh, uh, and then, uh, well, yeah, actually, my newest thought on watching it again this time, I was like, I don't find Christopher Guest very attractive normally. He's a fine-looking man, but when he's in characters, Nigel Tufton in the movie, I was like, man, he is hot. Like that's yeah. what I was thinking the whole movie. I was like, he's he genuinely yeah. looks cool. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And it's funny because we know Harry Shearer as just like a curmudgeon who does smug political comedy, but it's great to see him 40 years ago in basically light bondage gear (laughs) and a crazy mustache. Like he used to have fun, Harry Shearer. I also want to mention I listened to the I, I hadn't listened to it in a while. I re-listened to the 2015 uh, Mark Maron WTF interview with Shearer, which is really interesting uh, because it's it's full of him talking about like Maron is kind of pushing him of like, hey, I hear you. Pe- you don't like a lot of people. And he's like, well, I think they don't like me. <laughs> and he talks about like him and Guest have always been friends. But at the time, him and McKeon were kind of on the outs. But I think they're they're doing good now because they are working on a new movie now but and also re-listening to it too I th- it's where it hit me like oh Shearer says on it that he was the guy leading the charge of the actors getting a raise on Simpsons like he mm. was the one who he, I believe his phrasing is I was leading the charge on that for them to all unite in season 10 to get a big raise uh, a deserved raise and and also if you just want to hear a guy dumping on Lauren Michaels and calling him a hack for like an hour <laughs> like it's pretty funny it's always put fun. that on my list. Look it up. It's uh, it, uh, though. Also, I didn't know like he. There's other funny stories like how he had a falling out with Albert Brooks. Uh, he also talks about he was a child actor who worked with Mel Blanc as a kid. Like he, it's it's crazy. Yeah. Is he a, is he a Hollywood guy? He's is a he Hollywood kid. Raised? Yeah, yeah. Okay. He's, okay. It's fun. Michael McKeon of the three is the only um, normal upbringing person of the two. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like uh, Christopher Guest, uh, he's a nepo baby. Let's just say he's a baron. He's literally a <laughs> yeah. baron. He he. he, he uh, his father is a British from a man from the House of Lords, and uh, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's wife is Hollywood royalty. Yes, so, yeah. yeah, also a nepo baby. Yeah. yeah, they found each other. Yeah, yeah, and I like uh, Christopher Guest and uh, Harry Shearer both don't have the reputation as being the most warm and friendly outwardly uh, guys, and I I can identify with with that too. I mean, you don't always want to like be friendly to strangers. At least I don't. No, Nick's, um, a, but, uh, Nick's a huge dick, by the way. He's being nice. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, you. Guys are the nice but Michael McKean, uh, Michael McKean has like commented on our our stuff and said he's a fan of Found Footage Festival before on uh, Twitter and things like that, and just seems like one of these just genuinely warm and friendly guys. So he he might have been the secret sauce in terms of the the chemistry yeah, between the three. Of he's them. surprisingly online for being a guy like in his seventies now, Michael McKean. When he just had a huge like thing on uh, Saul show, on Better Call Saul, he was right. like mm-hmm. getting Emmy noms. And yeah, it's, it was funny. This is not a history of Spinal Tap, but it was funny looking back that like, it all goes back to like Fernwood tonight and the tomorrow show, like all of these, like what we would have called alternative comedy, but they didn't have the word for it yeah. in like the seventies. And you mentioned this isn't the first mockumentary. Like I think I had seen, I definitely had seen, uh, all you need is cash the uh, monty python beatles parody movie. yeah the ruddles the yeah, ruddles. yeah yeah and i did like that but like that was on comedy central i think yeah it got replayed on yeah. comedy central a ton yeah sorry uh, one last spinal tap thing <laughs> uh, before we get into the show is that fox hated this idea they said for the amount of money you paid you could have gotten a real band with real songs because they waited until far too late to 
clear the songs and they ended up costing a lot more money and it ended up being a very expensive episode for an inside joke that not a lot of the viewers actually got. I could see that. I mean, I'm not a big fan of in, in sitcoms or in anything, whenever they bring in like real life pop culture into their world, like, you know, when Full House has on like the Beach Boys or something, just I want their world to be their world and have yeah. like your fake bands over there. But like, yeah, Full House is going to have like Urkel on a jetpack flying through the, you know, like a, a guest <laughs> episode. And then, and then you're also going to have the Beach Boys. So it's like those two things exist in the same world. So yes, with the Spinal Tap thing, I was just like, ah, I don't need like the, like the Smashing Pumpkins episode's not my favorite either. And and uh, yeah, what is it like? Kid Rock wasn't like uh, yes, yeah, that's a very low point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, I th- I think fake bands are a better idea than real bands because I've been reading up on Steven Tyler lately, and you know, I think Spinal Tap should have played Flaming Moe's and not Aerosmith. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, also with Spinal Tap, they were promoting a new album. Like when this came out, like they had the the song they sing in the episode was their big single at the time that they had done a music video for for their '92 album, and well, it's also uh, Harry. Shearer four years or in 2017 sued the co-owners of Spinal Tap like I think Spinal Tap is owned by a company that tries to squeeze every dollar out of Spinal Tap and that the actual performers of it I don't think like and so I'm not surprised when it came time to license the music that they found out they weren't getting friend prices anymore on licensing it for the show I feel like it's not uh it wasn't Shears thing it's also crazy to find out that, like Spinal Tap sort of started as a spinoff of Lenny and the Squeak Tones as a fake band McKeon was in and they were also friends yeah. with uh with David Lander too yeah uh... and, and Nigel Tupton plays is guest plays on it and he's cre- on the Lenny and the Squeak Tones album credited as Nigel Tuft. I think we need to tell people out there Lenny and Squeaky were characters from Liver and Shirley, a sitcom. Oh, yes. Sorry. We're yes. all very old. We know this, but <laughs> yes. if you're like 30, <laughs> <That's true. laughs> you might not know this. Uh, uh, one other funny thing I learned from trying to find out why they did it on this episode is Shearer was interviewed in England and England comedy nerds love, like if we think we like Spinal Tap in America British and uh, UK comedy nerds love Spinal Tap like I found it was an interview with Shearer where it was like 60% Spinal Tap questions and 40% Simpsons questions like and, and he refused to answer the Simpsons questions pretty much yeah they <laughs> but they did ask him like how'd they get on the show and he said he he swore it was not his pitch to put them on the show the, the, the producers and writers of Simpsons came to him <laughs> with hey shouldn't spinal tap beyond the show and then also he said it was the only time they ever worked off a script to do spinal tap which that is why i think christopher guest i think didn't like working on this episode because i think he wanted to improvise and they said i mean if you feel such ownership over your character and then even a great writer comes in and says no you say this now yeah. and especially if you're like kind of a touchy character like uh christopher guest might be yeah he uh, actually yeah. refused to say my strumming arm yes yeah, he... <laughs> can i ask you guys a simpsons questions because you guys you guys are the simpson pros here you guys know everything yeah has there ever been an improvised moment in a simpsons episode yeah i think like a lot of the funnier lines have been ad-libs by the uh actors like hank azaria and dan castellanetta especially have ad-libbed a lot of stuff and and they'll call it out on the commentary as far as entire scenes i I think like uh it's not a great episode uh they basically built an entire episode around ricky gervais kind of playing a david brent style character and over the credits he's like improvising a song and like talking through it and i think that's like one big example of the one of the few times it's ever happened i'm guessing okay all right i feel like uh the albert brooks the early episodes too they just kind of let him riff 
and animated to that as well. Yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. And a lot of the scenes he is riffing with Julie. In fact, uh, we covered this in our season one revisit in the original episode, but the te- the uh, bowling guy was going to be a Swedish tennis instructor and he, and he came in and he like changed the character and improvised as a French guy. So, <laughs> And also I, from that interview uh, with Shearer, I have to apologize. When his wife, Judith Owens, appeared on the show, I think we, uh, I definitely jumped to the conclusion that, oh, this was a favor to Harry Shearer or whatever. Uh, in the interview, he's on it with Judith Owens, who she is a professional singer. Uh, and she has released albums and she sang on the show in a season 13 episode and Shearer and her swore they're like the producers came to us and when they say one of the producers I think it's Mike Scully but that's my assumption they said one of the producers said he just loved her music and we want to put it on the show so I apologize that I thought that it was them doing a favor to Harry Shearer because uh, both him and his wife said no it was the opposite they they came to her and, and you trust them, them. Uh, you know look <laughs> that's like good journalism story. though that's good journalism. Yeah. You're, you're admitting. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. Making the correction. Yeah. Now I have to go back to our old podcast and now plug that in in the audio there. But uh, We've anchored Jude, <laughs> Judith Owen. <laughs> and She's a pianist. Uh, there's supposed to be a Spinal Tap 2 coming out in 2024. They've, uh, they announced it last year. I am assuming they're filming it now, but they haven't had any updates since late last year. Reiner's directing it again, too, which I feel like I think that's part of the deal. Like, I think they don't get to do it if Reiner's not there. I don't know. Maybe they like Rob Reiner. Like, look, I love Princess Bride. I don't want to talk too bad about Rob Reiner. <laughs> that was 37 years ago. <laughs> yes. They just can't let a thing be a thing. Right, like now with all the streaming channels, like they have to like let's bring it back. They probably gave them ridiculous money for it. So, uh, I mean, I'm, I'll definitely watch it, but man, I, I'm skeptical already. Well, I was wondering too because Eugene Levy came out in an interview recently and said we can't do the Christopher Guest style mockumentaries anymore because TV shows like Parks and Rec and The American Office kind of drove that into the ground with treating that that like those are mockumentaries, you know, and having the confessional parts. And then so it's almost like that form isn't novel anymore. Uh, It's not surprising. It's kind of they've mined it for all it's worth. TV has definitely kind of ruined it. Well, not ruined it, but made it less special of like, yeah, you're you see it so much that it doesn't feel as is. I mean, even that's why like they did have for your consideration one which sort of was it but they got away from it being framed like a there i i definitely don't think that had testimonials in it i think it was played like a a regular fiction film and i think at least with the office even the american office they stick with the conceit like this is being filmed for some reason but with parks and rec and modern family it's just like well this is just kind of shot like one of these things but there's no there's Mm -hmm. no reason why certain things are being filmed right now or such access is being given to filmmakers right Right, right. I always wonder what the office was like. What are, what documentary are they making right now? Like, what's like, where, where's this going to air? You know what I mean? Like, I guess we were watching the documentary that they were making, right? Is that the idea? Uh, the or? final season did answer that question. That was one of my favorite bits in the final season when they when they were getting to the end. They're like, you know what? We're going to answer what do- the documentary will be released and oh. will will do it. It uh, it was it was a documentary that was filmed for like what twelve years <laughs> in real time, yes. and, and then finally released. Yeah. The Simpsons will be right back. Tonight, Bart Simpson has a dream. I want to be a rock star. To make it big in music. Maybe we should buy him a guitar. We already have a guitar. So Homer's taking him to see Spinal Tap. Nobody rocks like Springfield. But will his first rock concert be his last? Ooh, a fear-fueled riot. Bart's rock. My poor little baby's okay. Be for yourself. 
The Simpsons, tonight at 8 on Fox 25. Hey, it's Henry Gilbert. Thanks for listening to this podcast, if you're in the dumpster brand or not. And we have a big thank you to our guests this week, Joe Pickett and Nick Pruer of, of both Found Footage Fest and VCR Party. It was so cool having Nick and Joe on, especially because they are promoting the documentary all about them, Chop and Steal. Check if in your local areas, if it's uh, playing at the Alamo Draft House near you, if you're in uh, a city lucky enough to have it there. And if not, very soon in May, it's going to be uh, available on streaming services. So please keep an eye out for Chop and Steal. I've seen it since uh, this is recorded a little after we recorded with them. We saw it. We got to meet Nick and Joe in person again. It was so great seeing him again. And the movie is awesome. It really, really speaks to you, especially if you're a person like uh, me and Bob doing our jobs as well. So thanks again, Nick and Joe. Please, everybody out there, check out Chop and Steal. As well, if you're a fan of Talking Simpsons, you should know this podcast is only possible because of listeners like you who support us at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. For five bucks a month, people get tons of exclusives as well as knowing that me and Bob are living our best lives. You get monthly episode of Talking Futurama and a monthly episode of Talk King of the Hill. That's only for you if you're a patron. And you also get access to over 150 previously released Patreon-exclusive podcasts, us covering every episode of The Critic, every episode of Mission Hill, many of our favorite episodes of Batman the Animated Series, and all the previous episodes of us talking about Futurama and King of the Hill. Go to patreon.com slash talkingsimpson today to check it all out for yourself. But if you want something even nicer than mustard, you need to head over to the premium level at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons because top level subscribers there get all the $5 things that you just heard me talk about. And then you get our monthly what a cartoon movie podcast. That's covering an animated feature film, crazy in depth, just like we do an episode of the Simpsons often talking for over six hours about an animated feature film. April is a special month for us because we are going live action as we do every month for April fools. And this month we are covering a film that me and Bob love so dearly. That is the 1986 Little Shop of Horrors. We go really in depth, including into the director's cut ending, the best ending, the true ending. You will hear us talk all about that and it's super deep history. The month before that we did Chicken Run at the end of next month where we're going to be doing Toy Story 4. Sign up today, you get access to over 55 What a Cartoon movies and a new one each month, including our longest podcast ever, six and a half hours about who framed Roger Rabbit. Head on over to patreon.com slash talking Simpsons today to check out everything that you are missing out on. That's one more time, patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. But yeah, I guess uh, to, to start with the episode, though, Bart is wearing his Spinal Tap shirt. He's got eggs ready to whip him at the warm-up act. You know, I don't like... I 
have little patience for warm-up acts at shows i'll admit i have trouble they they have a needed thing like you need you can't just go straight to the band you need to get the crowd ready but and test things out but yeah every when i went to a show i went to see weezer and the pixies live uh before the pandemic in the warm-up band for it like they did four songs and they were like this is our last song guys thanks thanks they they, they were like running off stage they, i mean they that's knew. the way to do it i i saw built a spill and they had some acoustic guy this is probably like 2001 or something and uh, they had an acoustic guy go up there and play everybody was yapping nobody was paying attention and then doug march the the front man for built a spill came out and yelled at everybody for like five minutes and was like oh, this yeah. guy's a genius and you guys talk through the entire thing so the, the show's off to a great start Damn. <laughs> boy i wish now i wish i'd seen it. built this bill came to town just last week that's and right that it sold oh, yeah. out i underestimated their drawing power when, when i saw yes. violent femmes uh i don't know five years ago maybe the opening act was maybe sitar music and it just was a very different vibe from you know watching the violent femmes play yes. music so yeah yeah. kind of strange and uh homer's wearing he pulled his concert jacket out of storage which i like the implication like he used to go to concerts all the time before he had kids and now he can bust it out again and he's he's been saving billy beer which we've done a history of billy beer before but it it existed for one year yeah. shut down in 78 it was a rare thing in so 1992 you can actually place the last time homer was at a concert it was between 77 and 78 and since we last covered this i have seen a can of billy beer in the wild and it's very affordable i could have bought it just to put on my desk <laughs> <laughs> oh really I, I mean i yeah. just looked on ebay just now and it looks like uh six dollars and 79 cents for an unopened can so oh yeah uh, but this yeah. one was open so you could you could tap the rockies <laughs> with that one and i'm sure it tastes even better now yeah than, uh, yeah <laughs> but you know it does have the, it had the lid where you t tear off the whole top you remember those like i think yeah, they stopped, yeah. i think they stopped doing because people would like step on them barefoot and like yeah have to get stitches yeah. but like i, I want i've always wanted to pull one of yeah, even never, in the show, never. Homer does the pull tab on the can. Oh, he yeah. does? Yeah. Oh. I love the animation of him drinking it. There's something like he is just, he is chugging it like, uh, 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 like it. and he's about to drive his child in a car <laughs> when he's doing that. Hey, Homer, let's book. I want to get there in time to whip eggs at the warm-up act. Wow, my concert going jacket still fits. And this is where I used to hide my beer. <gasps> Billy beer. Ooh, 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 ooh. My little guy's first rock concert. I hope the spinal taps don't play too loud. Oh, Marge, I went to thousands of heavy metal concerts and it never hurt me. I hear you. Come on, boy. When Marge wishes him well, Bob has done this to me in real life, and it's been very—it's very fun. Oh right, right. Yeah. When when uh, I'm very into pro wrestling, Bob is very uh, nice about it. But I'm he, against it. Uh, <laughs> but when I when I was going to see the return of CM Punk, Bob wished me well with. I hope the CM Punk still played too loud. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a way to show that you, you're ignorant, but you're also wishing them, you know, the best of luck. Yeah, yeah. Wishing them well. I like Marge getting things wrong, too, like the spinal taps or here comes the shack attack, yeah. and, you know, things like that. It's, it's, a, it's very mom. It's a sweet mom thing, yeah. Mm -hmm. my, my dad would always do that, too, but like I think that he did it intentionally. I remember going to see Kindergarten Cop with me and my brothers. I have two younger brothers. And my dad, we were at the box office, and he was like, four tickets to the Kindergarten Cops? And we were just like, oh, we all just like slinked away. We we're just like, oh, it's not, it's kindergarten cop. It's singular. 
Oh, he likes to intentionally embarrass All you. I think still to this <laughs> day. I had to endure a lifetime of that. Yeah. <laughs> this, Kindergarten this, cops jokes. This joke with Marge being muffled by Homer's awful tinnitus, I need to know if any audio engineer has isolated her audio because according to the writer of the episode, what she's saying is very funny. Yeah, and in so fact, she was at one point in the edit when they were putting it together, she was, you could tell what she was saying, but they decided to muffle it completely. And I think it's a better joke, but apparently it took them a long time to come up with what she was saying in that scene. Is there such a thing as a cartoon lip reader? I mean, yeah. that, you know, that, uh... you can't. Yeah. Well, we if we hear back from the writer of this episode, that's going to be my second question. Uh, we should we should have asked them that, too. Yeah. Well, he hasn't responded. Well, you know, I should check my phone right now. He might have. Uh, no, he's not responded. Yeah. Yet, but... I, I just uh, based. I, I listened to it a few times again. And I was like, the, the joke is like a list of things. That's all I can really make out. <laughs> I just love Homer going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's. Uh, <laughs> It's a very husband, like, hey, yeah, yeah, like I've I've done that before. Like, I'm definitely listening. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I was like, wait, why are Patty and Selma here just to make fun of Homer? I was like, oh yes, it's actually important for the story that you know Patty and Selma don't like Homer. I think they were overthinking it. Yeah, yeah. I just set up the green marker, red marker thing at the end, basically <laughs> with the. The test is that right? Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. You know, this is early enough in the show that they, I think, they are like, oh, maybe there's a new viewer who doesn't know all the character relationships, which is crazy to think with The Simpsons as a Simpsons viewer. But yeah. So then we get to hear from uh, Bill and Marty uh, on the phone talking to the aging rock group, and, and I love that uh, Dan plays Bill, Harry plays Marty. They're so funny together. I just love when Bill gives Marty nothing. Like Marty is trying to have fun with Bill and Bill is just like, yeah, let's go to the tape. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. Gives him half of a laugh. Yeah. Soon in the future, he'll just tell him like, you're dead weight, Marty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Harry Shearer was working overtime on this one. I mean, like he had so many characters in this one, right? He, yeah. I wonder if he broke a record with this one. Otto, of course. And yeah, Skinner I mean, and then Burn and Smithers. Yeah. Skin, uh, but uh, you know, I got to say, despite wh- however prickly he is or whatever his current disposition is, the guy's a genius. I mean, like his delivery. And I know he legendarily like, you know, Nancy Cartwright is underlining lines and where to put the emphasis. And he just comes in and does cold reads and gets it exactly right. And the radio DJ is so in his wheelhouse with like the SNL character that he later did on Wayne's World, didn't he? Uh, Wayne's World 2. And, was it Airheads? Um, was he in the Airheads? Or was it Airheads? He was in Airheads. He was in Airheads. That's right. Airheads was the yeah. DJ in Airheads. Yeah. Yes. Doing that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I think you know, that kind attention. of attention. Yeah. 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 Harry is definitely one of the strongest comic performers on the show. Uh, I'll forgive his grumpiness just for that. And yeah. if, if you, li- I mean, we listen to the clips isolated, you can definitely tell with him, like, he is so specific about the stutters and the breaths and just certain intonations, and it all just feels very natural to him. There's a, and he clearly had like a sort of a subversive comedic eye to him. Spinal Tap is about that. But like, I remember on the old uh, late night Letterman shows, they used to have the late night film festival and they would invite Harry to submit a, a short film and give him a small budget. And he would come on. I, I when I, I used to work at the Le- CBS Letterman show, and they but they had all the archives. So I went back and dubbed all the old late night film festivals, and he did one called "The Making of You Wouldn't Believe Our World." I think that's what it's called. It's probably on YouTube now, and it was the making of the behind the scenes of a corporate training video, and like that was just such a hyper specific thing to do, especially in the '80s. But he was just on this whole other tip, I think, at that time. Okay, this you just unlocked a thing from the WTF interview, actually, that it's funny, too, because this is all in the news right now. Ten years ago, in the last ten years, 
He did a, a one of those films, short films about Bohemian Grove, like which is now all in the news as the place where Clarence Thomas gets his like million dollar blowjobs or whatever. Uh, but he, he's but <laughs> but that he got to like go to Bohemian Br- Grove and and do research there. Like he got invited into that weird enclave. It's uh, I this makes me want to look it up even more now. It's I think Harry Shearer. He said okay, this is also from the WTF interview. He says that through years of therapy he realizes that you can have two contradicting feelings at the same time and one of them is that he feels that he is grossly overpaid for the amount of work he puts into the simpsons but also incredibly underpaid but for uh, based on how much money it makes and that is something he's had to reconcile over the years in uh with his feelings but in these first 10 years when he's really trying like he is so good he might be the best on the show but is he uh, not trying anymore i mean he, he uh... He's kind of a one-take guy who records everything from either Louisiana or England. He doesn't, uh, yeah. He, He's actual like crusty at this point, right? Pretty much, yeah. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's another thing I remember about him too is that Paul Schaefer, Harry Shearer, and I think Martin Short. Whenever they're they used to, whenever they're in the same town, they would go. They'd say like, "All right, let's make a trip to Branson or Las Vegas, and we will go see the worst, tackiest." production playing there and they would get dressed up they'd make a whole event out of it and it would be like a date with those three guys like going to see like the tackiest one-man show in new york and then would just have the best time of their lives going to this and i always liked that idea of just like all right we're we're all semi-famous but we're gonna go out and go see i'm jewish i'm italian and i'm in therapy or whatever the <laughs> you know whatever the terrible one-man show was and then just go see yeah whatever, whatever they deemed the worst entertainment playing in that town that's you know it just hit me you work with a guy who's in spinal tap like paul schaefer has he's he has a long scene in the movie is like their terrible local ad guy in chicago who who fails to get anybody to show up Artie fufkin or yeah, something fufkin, like that yeah, I can't yeah, yeah. yeah he says yeah. it a million times like Artie fufkin, Artie fufkin. Yeah. Yeah. he's really funny in it <laughs> Uh, <laughs> well, you know, when I was when I was looking for a, a version of the movie to download, I saw online uh, there was a 4.5 hour work print of the movie. So they had a lot to choose from in terms of scenes to use. Wow, I would yeah. love to see that. I've never seen it's that. all through the power of torrents. Man, I should have. My, it was foolish me buying that Blu-ray. <laughs> <laughs> Milhouse shows up with an amazing leather jacket. He says it is from uh, 50,000 Bazooka Joe comics. To give you uh, an idea of what the Bazooka Joe economy was in the 60s, which this joke is about, from Bazooka Joe prizes, if you wanted to get a spy camera, like the one Bart has in that uh, the classic season one episode, uh, you could either send in 250 comics or 10 comics and 50 cents uh hmm. or you could get uh Dwayne wade style flip shades for 500 comics or 20 comics and a dollar that's uh that, that shows you the the economy of 50,000 uh for that leather jacket quite quite a lot it's the most you, badass millhouse has ever looked he in his never life looks cool again yeah. Yeah. do you guys remember the, the tootsie pops where like if you had the uh native american shooting the bow and arrow at a star that you got something but they never I don't know. I never read the rules. It was like kids in school would say like, oh, you got the Native American shooting the star. It's like, but what do I do with it? Do I take it down to the store and what do I get? I think you got a free comic book. I think that's what you got was a free comic book. Well, I had heard those. You know, I think one thing that Matt Groening is so good at is sort of being the historian of schoolyard songs and rumors and stuff that, you know, like rhymes that you'd say in the playground and things like that. Because those were never cataloged except for like Life in Hell and in 
early Simpsons episodes. And that was one of those things that I'd heard that if you turned in, I think it was 50 uh, Tootsie Pop rappers that had the uh, American Indian shooting the star, you'd get a free bag of Tootsie Pops. That's what I heard. So I remember taking it to the local um, grocery store and actually have saving these up and taking them in. Oh, you actually did this? I didn't know the story. I did. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, Yep. And I took them to the poor clerk and I'm like, here's my, how do I get my free bag? She goes, I don't know anything about that kid. (laughs) I was crestfallen. It was the first dose of reality I got that my, this magical thinking I had. You walked out and dumped all the wrappers in the garbage. I was just doing some Tootsie Pop research in the background here, and that is an unsubstantiated uh, myth that uh, the star thing. And you know what? Thanks to woke culture, they're going to remove the Native American. No. There's not going to be any more myths. Of course, I'm kidding. But I can see people getting upset about that. Uh, Kid Rock's going to shoot a bag of Tootsie Pops now. (laughs) They're going to put a female studies major on the (laughs) rapper. (laughs) Next thing you know. Holding a book. Uh, uh, So uh, they they head to the Springfield Coliseum. I also thought it was funny. Like, oh, Homer, I get it as a joke now. Homer just lets these two kids go into a concert alone. And he's like, "Eh, I'll just be outside. Like you parents escort their kids to like children's concerts. They don't let you don't let their kids just walk in side uh maybe it was different in the 70s but, we, we, uh, we i had a big conversation the other day about uh with my brothers about like what movies our our parents would let us watch and we saw pet cemetery in the theater and now uh i mean that's the most brutal movie of all time they like kill a toddler in that movie for crying out loud <laughs> but uh but now my brother who saw pet cemetery it, it destroyed him for life uh has a kid and they took him to the mario movie and he's like he, my son was the same age as i was when i went to see pet cemetery he was like 10 <laughs> so yeah it's a different time it's uh <laughs> parents didn't give a shit back then they give a shit now my folks drove me to go see um they might be giants flood tour in 1990 i remember and then they just dropped me off and like two and a half hours later picked me up and that was like an uh, my one of my first unsupervised things um you know i guess i was i maybe i was a uh, uh, in eighth grade or between summer of eighth grade and ninth grade so i wasn't like barton millhouse's age but still felt like a little little bit of freedom yeah. Did, at that but point. you didn't get injured in the mosh pits then <laughs> it was fairly there was a, a conga line that i didn't want to participate <laughs> the birdhouse in, in but, your uh, soul conga line famous <laughs> yeah but now i that was yeah. i think tmbg was my first concert too i don't know if it was Bob. i know Bob. Well, absolutely nice. not my first oh. concert was jimmy buffett my parents took me <laughs> we're talking about uh r-rated movies like i feel it was it was columbine that when they started cracking down on kids going to see r-rated movies i saw so many r-rated movies underage and Columbine happened a month before I turned 17. But then after that, I had a girlfriend who was 15 and they wouldn't let her see Sleepy Hollow with me. And yeah. I thought, no, precedent has been set. Yeah. <laughs> precedent has been set. I, I saw Wild Things when I was uh, 16. I saw Scream when I was 14. What's going on here? Did she have to show ID or something? Were they asking for ID? Yes. And sh- uh, she actually bought a ticket to The Bachelor and she snuck into Sleepy Hollow with us. <laughs> I mean, that's how you do it. I wish my I wish my first star rated movie was Barton Fink. I just just for the sake of Simpsons uh, lore, that would have been been good. Uh, man, I forget my first star rated movie in theater, but my mom took me to uh, more uh, a lot uh, that honestly ended up just being uncomfortable for me. The, the one, <laughs> well, the one I always remember is uh, as a kid, uh, as like a young teen into uh, alternative comedy. Like I wanted to see oh, a Janine Garofalo movie. I want to see she's in this new movie, Truth About Cats and Dogs. So my mom takes me to it and there's a lengthy phone sex scene in it that is just like so uncomfortable to watch sitting next to your mom yes yeah Yeah. 
that's rough. That's rough. <laughs> well, speaking of uncomfortable par- parental sex memories, Homer has uh, teases that he has one, uh, which now this time I think it's I view it as dirtier his memory than I remember because Homer is rocking back and forth and you only see him and he's saying, "Oh, baby!" Like I think you're supposed to think he is receiving oral sex. <laughs> to, uh, <laughs> I didn't like this. I didn't like it at all. I didn't. Mean, one, I didn't think it was that funny, but I also just like I, I don't want to see Homer that. Even imagining him in would, that situation. Dick, would you have been embarrassed watching that with your parents? Like uh, uh, that scene? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I mean, my story is like, but I remember one time in college, um, Airplane was playing on TV, and my family, my sister, my mom were like, oh, let's just sit and watch Probably Airplane. The HBO you know, version. I was the HBO version. So we're like, oh, it's just on TV. It's a Sunday when I'm back from college. We're watching it. And I know where the, the, topless woman's bri- jiggling breasts are during the turbulence scene and the uh i i mean that's imprinted in as a core memory of seeing that as a kid <laughs> it became a man and so i'm like oh <laughs> i'm like oh god what am i my mom and sister like we all have to sit and watch that it's only a half second scene but i'm like i'm gonna be uncomfortable during it my dad unspokenly and i i knew it he knew it but nobody else did he flipped the channel and pretended like it was an accident. He's like, oh, sorry, what did I do? What did I do? And they're like, my sister's like, turn it back, turn it back. And I'm like, and uh, he turns it back just as the scene is ending. And uh, I I just knew, I was like, that was a master class in avoiding that d- discomfort. Uh, and he did it. I had to give Genius. him credit. Genius. He's like, he's, like a, he's like a jazz performer, just like... Like, <laughs> working oh, the remote yeah, yeah. yeah. wow this is this is the oops second. accidentally slipped it again this is the second oral sex homer mislead joke the other one was in i think war of the simpsons when he sends bart to bed and bart says you can't have any fun in bed and he said you'll be surprised boy and we cut to him seemingly receiving oral sex but then we pull out to see he's eating a sandwich yes yeah <laughs> it's... i mean same joke essentially here yeah, yeah. But now we see Homer's been doing. I, I mean, I do love the idea that Homer, Homer could eat garbage anywhere, but he drove to a makeout spot to sit in the back seat with a pile of junk food and just eat it there. It, like, I think it's part of a trio of jokes because next season you'll have a making bacon on the beach where he yeah. thinks about that and it's actually him making bacon on the beach in a sexy speedo, no less. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I also like how. He's wearing yes, a chef's yeah. Then, isn't he? Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I also like how Barton Milhouse just kind of shrug as Homer's like drooling over his memory. I'm like, let's just walk away. Like, yeah. These $31 t shirt prices are a joke here. I just went to a wrestling show at the start of March. $40 for a plain t shirt. Like this, $85 for a hoodie at it if you wanted it. And you better believe I bought three t shirts. Three? Well, people have to know I was there. Were they even 100% cotton? You know, I can't tell you. That I don't you better know. hang dry those, Henry. <laughs> well, one was for my husband who couldn't make it uh, to the show. But uh, you yeah, could probably I, resell it in like 20 years for, you know, double that. I don't know. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. I've got a few I was there's that uh, there's one that uh definitely i think is worth something but uh i also whenever i buy a cheap t-shirt because it's unpopular i think of spinal tap kicking momar Gaddafi in the butt <laughs> i think of that same <laughs> when I was like, got dated very quickly that one and so yeah it's also a very off-model comic book guy in that scene but yeah so then i have the the clip here of uh, this interview this feels 
I definitely think they were written, but this feels a little looser than the other Spinal Tap appearances in it. I think, and I think Dan Castellaneta was ready to like play along with these guys for this scene too. Uh, but yes, it's uh, here's Spinal Tap being interviewed. Hey, 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 Bill and Marty here. And we're backstage rapping with a tap. Fellas, I'm going to hit you with a phrase that has dogged you throughout your career. Washed up. Yet here you are, among the top 105 concert acts today. What's your secret, guys? Well, after the Berlin Wall fell, our record started selling on the dismal side of the Iron Curtain, and naturally, that gave us a boost. We're very big in Bulgaria, and uh, what's his name? Yadagaria? Hungaria? Yeah, whatever. I can't think of anyone who's benefited more from the death of communism than us. Well, maybe the people who actually live in the communist countries. Oh, yeah, I hadn't thought of that. I bet you're right. Yeah, on the other hand, uh, each of us just bought our own soccer team. <laughs> How many Hungarians can say that, eh? You know, hearing it in isolation, I'm more sure of it. I think that was Michael McKeon saying how many Hungarians can say that, not Christopher Guest. I think they animated the wrong voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. And, you know, after watching the movie, all I can think is, is wow, they're talking so fast in this scene, but they have to. <laughs> the yeah. Simpsons is now are like a very fast-paced show. They're not kind of like a lot of the, the improv in the movie is just like a lot of low-key mumbling, and that's what their characters are. But here they have to get to the point for their one act of The Simpsons. That's why it seems a little off to me, I think. Yeah, because because it's not as casual. There isn't enough time to breathe. They have to get in the jokes. Well, and probably they got edited down a lot, like, afterwards. Uh, any ums or uhs or pauses. Like, and yes, they say on the commentary that uh, one was a... They say they won't name names, but one was a difficult guest, they say. I'm going to say I think he was defensive of his character. I think he's I've, just... I've like, just heard he's hard to work with There's in I mean, general. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, the, that joke about being in the top 105 touring acts isn't funny because we're in the top 104 podcast so on patreon so it's a good place we'd to be kill to be oh. yeah we would kill to be on the top 105 we'd be set for yeah life. i was like that didn't sound that bad top 100 like yeah <laughs> i mean i love it because if they were in the top 100 they would say that you have to say 105 because there's like 104 or whatever on the list we're 139 right now that's uh, why i said top 140 uh, that's oh, there you go. <laughs> uh, and then we have a quick cut to bart getting into the concert it's a good design of like this is how it feels walking into a concert as you're waiting for it to start up and you you see the the band on stage uh, the oh i know the last concert uh well i bob might have gone to one since then but me and bob went to see weird al when he came to town yeah and, yeah uh, yeah, I have not been to one since then. The uh, the opening act was Emo Phillips. It was really fun. It was also great to like, uh, I'm stealing Bob's joke, but they're like, we sat through the whole thing and Weird Al was sat down the whole time. We were just like, you know what? We're all old. We're going to sit down. <laughs> none, none of us standing up for a concert. <laughs> yep. I went to that show as well in New York and uh, Carnegie Hall of all places. And uh, yeah, I, I didn't mind the sitting. Um, I, you know, no conga lines in sight. I loved it. <laughs> Cut to them being interviewed some more. Uh, well, I just got to play it. I love them being asked to do promotion. <laughs> say, guys, I wonder if you'd mind recording a couple of promos for us. Well, like what? Uh, maybe you could say, nobody rocks like Bill and Marty on KBBL. Well, we don't know that, do we? What if somebody rocks as good as you? Or better. I mean, <laughs> we don't want to look stupid. Okay, we can respect that. How about rock-a-doodle-doo? You're listening to Bill and Marty. <laughs> Yeah, sure. Okay. That's good, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love that joke. That's good. That's so yeah. They don't. They're just like, oh, rock and doodle. Like, it, it does make you think about any in your local area when they would play the, like, local band saying, hey, you're listening to this or whatever. And you're like, wow, they have <laughs> these very famous musicians are just saying, like, hey, listen to this. Listen to your local guy. They're we the best. We should start asking guests to do these for us. Oh, okay. you should. 
and always be rock a doodle we've had to do them yeah it should always be rock you're right yeah Yeah. Yeah. it should only be rock a doodle do it's similar to the joke of uh how about instead of uh what i got you got to get and put it in you it's uh what i'd like is i'd like to hug and kiss you (laughs) oh that's great now everybody can enjoy our music it's it's a similar joke where they just kind of immediately acquiesce to a worse suggestion and i think we missed it is this the first on-screen bill and marty that's right yes you're right bob oh really Oh. We've, we've heard them off screen since season two, but this is their first on screen appearance. Yeah. And uh, they, they'd appear a lot more on screen. It's, yeah, in future appearances, even when they would just be on the radio, like they'd cut to them in the studio, but this is just them, our, our first time actually seeing them. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I guess it's also their way of getting more spinal tap into the show without meeting the characters like that. I mean, this feels crazy compared to just even a few years later on the show. Like every major guest star character shares a scene with a major simpsons character almost every time but in this episode they're like well bart would meet spinal tap like that wouldn't happen like they're they're the big stars and he's just going to the show but he's the sixth member of the band (laughs) well also you guys when you've been on tour have you had any bleed and splish splash shows that you've had to deal with Oh, we've definitely played some venues where like they didn't have air conditioning and everyone was just sweltering hot and we were wearing shorts like real professionals uh, on a stage wearing shorts just, just like with like box fans just like Frank Sinatra did right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no we, Joe was shirtless for a show we did in Hawaii one time well, I, wasn't shirtless. Was I, I had heard that it's okay that in Hawaii with Hawaiian shirts everybody does actually wear Hawaiian shirts in Hawaii but you can button them down lower than you think you should in, in uh, Hawaii, and I remember doing a whole show with it buttoned down, and then a woman from Hawaii afterwards came up and said, I like the show, but uh, your shirt's buttoned down way too low. That was, like, too low for Hawaiian standards, so I had to, like, go up, like, two buttons. So Too indecent we for did, Hawaiians. Uh, it was, and I remember we did one show, too, that was used in a hot, packed, cramped, like, rock club, and, you know, I don't I don't want to take credit for this, but we were showing some sort of, I think it was a, a penile implant a video uh like an instructional video and um, uh, yeah (laughs) yeah um and all of a sudden we just saw this sea of people like part and what happened was a guy passed out at during that moment so i don't know if it was the footage or if it was just the hot cramped room but yeah Yeah. the guy passed out because the venue was so loud and at that same show we we had to get on stage by going through the audience and it was a packed house and everybody was standing it was the empty bottle in chicago and i remember uh i accidentally nudged somebody who spilled their beer and this woman who had like this like fancy coat and she's screaming at me as I'm like going up on stage to say, Hey everybody, welcome to the show. And she's like, she's like, God, you own me for this fucking, th-, you know, swearing at me. You asshole. Yeah. <laughs> just like, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. <laughs> uh, this, uh, but you guys have never been sponsored by beer or cigarettes like Spinal Tap. Uh, Brooklyn uh, yeah. Beer. Brooklyn Beer uh, sponsored us oh. for, for a year. Yeah. Yeah, Brooklyn Brewery. Still looking for that cigarette did, sponsor, though. When uh, <laughs> when when they're naming, like, uh, getting the name of the city wrong and doing, like, on the 401 and doing the local references, just on Thursday night, um, I think, Joe, you were, we were playing the Arlington Cinema and Draft House, and you said, we love being here at the Alamo Draft House. I caught myself. And no. you're like, you caught yourself. But I, I thought of that moment yeah. when we, I was watching this episode. But everybody knew show. what I said. Yeah, yeah, there was a, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was yeah, a total. How, local reference is pretty important on touring shows. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
we we try to get a local video so it's not it's a little bit of pandering but we're like oh here's this funny cat that came from pittsburgh and we'll play that video in pittsburgh that kind of thing no i just saw when i saw john mulaney last year and he came to berkeley he basically had like two minutes of saying like uh, local references to berkeley and how he said like and uh no uh, i wouldn't do my san francisco stuff you guys are a totally different city your guys aren't <laughs> san francisco blah 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 anyway and then he just went to his actual uh it's true, <laughs> damn it. Yeah, it is true. Yeah. <laughs> but he gave you some local stuff up top, and then he yeah. went into the routine. Okay, that's nice. Yeah. But especially if you're like a guy from Chicago who's also like uh, lived in New York for a million years, you come to Berkeley and hear Berkeley people say like, um, we're not San Francisco. You probably just do like the jack-off motion to him. Like, yeah, yeah. Sure. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, sometimes we'll, we'll compliment their public access because we're big public access aficionados. And so like if we're in Fort Wayne, Indiana, we'll be like, you guys have like top five public access in the country. Uh, we'll compliment them that way or thrift stores if they have fantastic thrift stores we'll, we'll be like hey we went down to uh, Salvation Army down there on 401 South and and uh, wait you guys have one of the best ones in the country and then we get applause for that so we'll pander we'll absolutely pander <laughs> uh, so they, they break into a song this is the song Break Like the Wind it's the title track off the album they were promoting at the time of uh, the this episode aired and uh, on that song so 92 when this came out really was there like so spinal tap comes out it's it's a not a huge hit at least in america but bands love it like they get to hear for years how big bands are like oh you like real rock bands are like oh you guys this is just reality this isn't jokes to us like this just happens to us on tour so they in on the 92 album they're calling in all of the favors from all those famous fans of it so on break like the wind in this scene here the guitar work you're hearing is from jeff beck joe satriani and slash they are they are all on this this song like this is this is slash at his most powerful is playing on this album <laughs> his hat was never bigger <laughs> i also love the gag this did feel like them uh, like you said spinal tap fanfic of the joke is that the bad thing happens to Derek smalls the the third guy that uh, that Shearer plays that like he's he's off for the lighting like the lighting cue for him on the third guy comes on but he's he misses the spotlight and has to step into it oh also you know that comb over joke uh, about uh, Michael McKeon's character not as funny to me now as I am battling uh thinning hair at this moment i don't uh, that hit close to home henry for me as well i uh, there's a reason i often wear hats on stage so uh, are you, are the you, lighting has to be just right are you walking around shouting medium setting <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly i did not the show with the box fans was a real problem for me uh personally you know i wonder if they think they're so protective over the history of their characters and what's is and isn't canon do you think they were cool with them saying like oh yeah this character officially has a comb over and is bald i was, like, I was I thinking know. that there's there's some weirdly lowbrow jokes in this like oh the guy's actually bald and then later there's like a, a fat woman joke i'm like the simpsons doesn't really do this kind of humor you know it, it felt like they were kind of reaching for more gags for this scene and uh, we cut to homer eating in the car he's listening to the, uh, a song i uh bob uh, directed me to the yes song. the first thing he sings everyone thinks of the spanish flea thing well it's the funniest thing but before that he's humming along to uh, summer samba by walter wanderley it's one of those like cocktail party uh organ songs basically is that the bop, 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 bop. 
That, that's Spanish flea. That's Spanish flea. Oh, that's Spanish flea. Okay. When, when Homer's like, that's the very, very cocktail party, very 60s. They, Homer is reverted to his Mambo-loving self from uh, season one, basically. There's there's a good gag of Nigel having to turn his head upside down to read that sign. Which Can we go back to Spanish flea? Oh, yeah. They... He made up those lyrics, right? Like Simpsons writers wrote the, those lyrics, right? Are, th- are those the actual lyrics to that song? Uh, yes, actually, they're the real lyrics to yes. the song. It, yeah, there's more than one different set of lyrics because it was an instrumental song, and then different people is. covered it. And some of the ones with lyrics became more popular in certain regions. And I think uh, did Dan? Would they just ask Dan to do it? And he yeah, just yeah. from memory he did it, right? Because there's an improv version of it on uh, the DVD. Yes, yeah, yeah. It's uh, the the version he's doing. I believe is a made famous in '66 by a singer named Frankie Randall. But yeah, there's there's multiple lyrical versions of it. But there's that one. But everybody now knows the instrumental one. Thing. To, I get what the dating game made it. Uh, I think the dating game. Herb yeah. Alpert. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, I mean, the lyrics were so stupid. I was like, this has to be a joke. This like <laughs> this, the stupidest lyrics. I love how dated it is because it's like he's heard of the Beatles, the Chipmunks he's seen on TV. Like, yes, the Beatles and the Chipmunks. Why not a Spanish flea? Like, <laughs> oh, so this is funny too. Listeners heard it because I plugged it in in our break. The commercial for this episode features two alternate lines, and one of them is in that version the nobody rocks like springfield that line is actually said by christopher guest not harry shearer and i think they must have there's a couple times where i think somebody in the animation side mixed up which character says what and so i think they had to like redo it with shearer before the airing to get it to be the right guy but yeah it's uh it's funny ever noticed i mean i i never noticed i mean because i don't you noticed i mean only now watching very closely yes yeah i also love that at a here with all the satanic panic about uh rock bands here at spinal tap they pull out their inflated dark lord and do invoke you to worship him and throw the devil horns and it's also so funny seeing them do the one one middle finger devil horns (laughs) with four fingers Oh, yeah. I didn't think about that. I, I know it was done for the sake of humor, but as a kid in Catholic school, this was a little dangerous for me to watch. Like, ooh, they're bringing down the devil. <laughs> Though have have uninflated props must have let you guys down at one time or another. I wish we had inflatable props. Oh, we had beach balls at one. We, we did a whole show where we kind of riffed on a movie called Computer Beach Party, and we had beach balls, but I don't think they ever deflated. Oh, I think those were... I would say yeah. props in general. We, we usually bring some props along, but I think I think in our first volume of shows when it was like 2004, 2005 when we were touring, we got real ambitious. We had like wardrobe changes, and we had uh, props with the easels that we would bring up, and now like we'll bring a rejuvenate face mask or something. Now, well, something small. A like, frisbee. Yeah, a frisbee at yeah. this point. Yeah, we've gotten lazy. It's ambitious. Yeah, 20 years in, so. Without roadies, it's hard to have inflatable. Right. <laughs> the only prop we bring is our anxiety to every live show. <laughs> That's a guarantee. Uh, and, uh, and yes, this when I think of a show going poorly, this this close out here is one of my favorite lines uh, in, in the history of the show. You know, people think there are only five members of Spinal Tap, but they are wrong. Could we turn up the house lights, please? That was the cue to turn up the house lights so we can tell the audience they're the sixth member of the freaking group. We are trying to put a tiny thrill into their grey little lives. So forget it. Turn on the lasers. Yeah, my vision. 
That's it. Show's over. Good night, Springton. There will be no encores. <laughs> I just like, good night, Springton. There will be no that, that announcement would be a relief in my old age now. <laughs> just like, okay, I can go home now. Uh, it's 1030. Uh, an encore now. Oh, gosh. I got to say, I got to compliment you on the uh, Sketchfest show you did this year with Matt uh, Chrisman about The Simpsons predicted it. It was so tight and well-produced. And uh, it kind of was, the I think, the definitive uh, recap of, you know, what people saying that Simpsons predicted things and how annoying that is, but also covering those things. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And now at least two more things have happened in the past three months since that uh, live show. It's it's crazy. <laughs> Bring it back. Uh, we will. I'm sure there will. We could do it every year. We just an update. Like okay, so in the last year, here's what people say they predicted it, including. I mean, yes, the most recent one was the Statue of David uh, one, which is insane. Can I just ask you guys? Uh, you, you, we're all music we go to concerts and everything. What do you think about the encore? You guys, are you guys for it or are you against it? Like I'm, I'm personally just like, Oh, we have to go through this little charade right now. We have to like, you walk off and then we have to cheer and then you force us to cheer. It's like, I, I don't know. I think it's a little sure. Some, some, sometimes I see bands. I think, I wonder if like built a spill, I could see Doug March. Who's also a, a pretty crusty guy. I, be, I bet he didn't do one. You know, I could see him just being like, yeah. Oh, we go off the stage. Now we're done. And I kind of like I that. think, yeah, I think when I was uh, going to concerts, you know, some of my first concerts, I was tickled by the idea like, oh, oh, we made them come back. <laughs> but, you know, as as I've uh, gone through, you know, uh, getting older and going to more concerts, I've been to concerts in which they didn't come back. And the applause just kind of slowly petered out. Everyone just kind of shrugged and went home. And I think I, I need to know if they are coming back. I don't want to invest all this clapping energy mm. into nothing. And that aforementioned Weezer show, there was a feeling in the air of like, will there be an encore? And then the lights turned on, like almost immediately after they got off stage. We're like, okay, all right, no encore. Oh, there I, wasn't one. Yeah. Oh. I, the lights are the cue. <laughs> I've, you know, I went to another show uh, that I really loved. Uh, if people can go to the, uh, uh, see him, I think he's touring around some more. Tim Heidecker on his Two Tim's show, uh, show, a tour, Two Tim's tour. Uh, Bob and me went to that when they came to SF. And uh, he, he did sort of do an encore but it you didn't have to beg for it like it was like like two minutes he off stage for two minutes then back on stage and does it and it did do a thing that i don't like where it's like i've been waiting for a song that like had a music video of theirs so a bigger song and then they do it for the encore i was like oh don't make me wait for the encore for the big song like have a deeper cut for the encore not not your big a big hit Exactly. Or do like a weird cover of somebody else. Give us a little bonus thing, a bonus weird thing at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Also, there's another line in the commercial that's not there where Bart, right before the riot happens, he says, cool, a beer filled riot, beer fueled riot. That's when they get trampled in the show. They just cut or at least on the DVD, they cut yeah. to just them being trampled. I, I don't know if that aired originally, but if it did, my theory is it was cut for the rerun because it's the summer of 1992 and we don't want to make jokes about riots. And then maybe that version ended up on the DVDs. They didn't retain the original cut of the episode but I, I don't even know if it ever aired if somebody out there has the original airing i'd like to know because unfortunately i missed this original airing it wasn't on the henry tapes but that tape the... still be playable today, <laughs> today could you check it, it today it must be somewhere i you know i should talk to my brother who where, i don't talk to enough where are the tape him. archives he would have them i think or or my mom oh i mean if they got thrown out i'll be sad but uh... i need to know the chain of custody with the, the henry archives <laughs> 
Well, Henry, we we have some VCRs we love that play even our worst tapes. So if you if you need to get the episodes off there and digitized, we can we can we can do very little else, but we can uh, offer you that service. Thank you. I I you guys are the masters of it. I I will t- if I find them. It's only twenty five dollars an hour. That's the friend rate. That's a yep. steal. That's a steal. I so though this concert riot, I think, is there have been uh, uh, rock concerts that broke into violence uh, in the past, but this was written in late 1991 or uh, mid 1991. July 1991 is when the Riverport riot uh, for Guns and Roses happened, and which is similar to what happens here, where Axl Rose is having arguments with the audience, like through the whole show and 10 to 15 songs in he gets pissed at somebody taking photos of him in the audience and he said and he tells security to stop him they won't do it he runs into the audience and starts getting hit and then he just goes up on stage and goes like fuck this and then just leaves the stage the show's over uh the audience is very mad at that dozens are injured there's there's no deaths at it but uh so yeah i'm i'm wondering if this show being cut short early causing a riot is a reference to that guns and roses uh show i, I think the timeline does line up uh the, the it was hard to look up i was like wait guns and roses uh where which show had a riot this it was hard to pin down one but this is the one i think like he caused vancouver uh audience to riot like there's well, that's uh, yeah. what i remember i remember it being canadian and they overturned cars and everything i was like canada does that too i thought that was just us <laughs> at least the, the guns and roses fans do in canada yeah, yeah. <laughs> so and this would have been two years before woodstock 94 and that whole debacle so you know oh 99 was the bad one i think oh 99 yeah. was the bad one yeah. you're right yeah so that was years before this and uh, yes, uh, Homer, he's singing the song. Uh, so the oh, other Spanish flea thing, and I've heard this straight from the source. They thought they got Spanish flea on the show, but then they were turned down by the publishing company. Uh, they were apparently they it was too expensive. And so they asked writer on the show, Jay Kogan, if he could get them a deal on it because and he could because Jay Kogan's uncle was a member of the Baja Marimba band, uh, which was formed around Julius Wechner, the writer of Spanish Flea. So he it was all thanks to these family connections that they were able to get uh, the song. On Hollywood the show. Kogan. <laughs> yeah. So much work for Spanish Flea. All right. I, I want to point out one thing that gets missing is he's uh, Homer's chips that he's eating in the car are Snorfels brand. Oh, yes. <laughs> which I enjoy that fake product. Somebody name. make a t shirt of that, Snorfels t shirt or something. <laughs> yeah. they, they got a Tijuana taxi and park it's hit by a car. I think that's secretly the better Herb Alpert song, mm. honestly. Yeah, I think they're pretty good. Yeah, I think yeah, but I you know, it's hard to not think of Spanish Flea with the TikTok sound put over it by uh or the song ending right when the the question on uh, the dating game happens or ends. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're saying. Yeah. I thought you were talking about the the social media app. No, That's what no, I thought no, too. Are teens yeah, dancing yeah. to Spanish yeah. Flea? Sorry, I mean the, the, and like the putting, honor- up, putting up like bad COVID advice. It should be. That should be the new TikTok, dancing to Spanish Flea. And uh, and then uh, we cut to the editorializing of Camp Rockman. I love for well, first off the line of like the first time ever a hockey arena becomes a sign of a scene of violence. Tonight, a city weeps as for the first time ever a hockey arena becomes a scene of violence. Following a concert by Spinal Tap. Mm, I hope my poor little baby's okay. See for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> 
Of course, it would be wrong to suggest that this sort of mayhem began with rock and roll. After all, there were riots at the premiere of Mozart's The Magic Flute. So, what's the answer? Ban all music? In this reporter's opinion, the answer, sadly, is yes. Hi, Mom. <gasps> oh, oh, thank God. Mom, I want to be a rock star. Mm, we'll discuss it later. Is Millhouse okay? Uh, I'll be right back. Help! Help! That he says that, uh, should we ban all music? In my opinion, sadly, yes. Like he just—it's uh, such a great parody of bad editorial writing because people, the gag in editorials is somebody goes up to the edge of saying like, "But should we ban this thing? Obviously not. But we should do blah blah." But he goes like, "Should we ban it? Yes, yes, we should." I, I also like that he says this reporter thinks you know like I just love that yeah. that reporting. This reporter thinks yes. <laughs> I, kind I, of, I love that he just he, he jumps to you know he's always jumping to uh, conclusions and you know toiling in underground sugar caves immediately and <laughs> you know I just love Brockman as a character. It really brings his editorial to a screeching halt. There's nothing. There's nowhere else to go from there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just music should be banned. Yes, yeah. yeah. The end. We should ban all music. That's the answer. I do reporters I, still do that. This reporter. From this reporter's, they don't do that anymore, do they? That, well, that's you know, uh, well, actually, I guess, yeah, that's uh, in your in the subject of your film or in the do, in the your do, the documentary you featured in. You there's a few Kent Brockmans in in as part of it. I can't yeah. see Kent Brockman suing anybody over over me. Would he sue the guy who said that Godzilla was running around town? Uh, IP freely? Would he? Have <laughs> oh, sued right. that? Well, yeah. it was actually it was actually the parent company of the station, so we were probably getting sued by Montgomery Burns, who would you know to put it in Simpsons parlance. I yeah, see. We, yeah, he does have no sense of humor. I think most local news stations don't make room for editorials. I think it's like, well, here are your right wing talking points. Here is your your black crime statistics. Now tell the world. <laughs> That's true. Well, yeah. What was that thing? Uh, I feel like I see a new one of those every couple of years, but it was like Media Matters pulled together the clip of like every Sinclair station had their reporters read the exact same editorial, yes. Yes, like yes. word for word. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. John Stewart used to put those together. They're just reading off of a. There's no time to actually editorialize anymore. <laughs> and uh, though also when he says that there were riots at the Magic Flute premiere, I could not find that online. Though then when I tried to learn things about the history of the Magic Flute, like three different websites were like, and of course the Magic Flute is full of Masonic imagery, and that uh, Mozart was actually <laughs> a Mason. I was like, wait, what? Well, I didn't mean to fall down a, a Masonry conspiracy theory <laughs> rabbit hole here. Uh, and and, uh, you know, Henry, lots of buildings in downtown Berkeley. They've got the Freemason symbol on them. Mm -hmm. no, Are you allowed into them? Uh, I don't know. I've never tried to go into them. You should try it. Look look at the back of a dollar, guys. Come on. We're through the looking glass. <laughs> I had this conversation the other day. I was, uh, where was I? I was in Arlington, Virginia, and uh, we walked right by one that had a huge the, the symbol. And it is kind of an ominous symbol. You know, doesn't it kind of look like kind of like scary? Like, uh, But there was like where they could hang out. And I was wondering, like, do they just get to hang out there? Is that how it is still now today? Like or... free, a free place to stay or like, oh, free meal if you're a Mason or whatever. Yeah, I is that what it is? Like, I don't know. Mm. Like, just because you have that particular occupation, like you get to be in this club. I wonder if it is like the Stonecutters where it's just a place to get drunk and play ping yeah. pong. I mean, because our, our city is, is old for like a West Coast city, I see buildings like the Oddfellow Society, all these weird old fraternal organizations. I don't know if they still occupy those spaces, but they're their like logos are there still 
Yeah. Yeah. My grandfather had a retirement party at an Elks club. So I've been into one of those hallowed uh, <laughs> spots. And yeah, it's just like a community center that served at, uh, alcohol. I think that's basically it. I've been to a couple of Elks lodges because they would often host uh, independent wrestling shows. You can always count on. Oh, of course. Show, yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, the amateur, like, like homemade type of stuff. Yes. Oh, yeah. The, the smaller local stuff. Yeah. I, so Bart uh, somehow escapes alive from it, and it made him realize he wants to be a rock star. And this is when uh, they realize they left Millhouse there. <laughs> so I think this is a real major moment for the show. The, like Millhouse had always been around and Bart's friend, but this is when they realize like when horrible things happen to Millhouse, it's funny, and we need to do more of this stuff. Uh, and that, and then the next episode is the Millhouse featured episode. It's like his auto show, but they come away from it feeling like we haven't done enough with Millhouse yet. We got to mm-hmm. do uh, the next episode's the Samantha Stanky one. Samantha Stanky, yeah. 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 I, I, I watched those two in order, to, uh, <laughs> and yeah. I love the uh, the the drawing of Millhouse and that when he's underneath all the folding chairs and he comes up and he doesn't have glasses on like that was even like the choice to take his glasses off completely was was hilarious rather than oh, having some, like a skew. Yeah, somebody has that animation cell. That would be <laughs> oh, a good be one. A great cell. And and Pamela Hayden, the, his voice actress, she does such great like help help. Uh, <laughs> Uh, the DVD, you can hear some extra takes of that help, uh, the desperate help. For real? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's one of those oh. DVD Easter eggs you got to dig for. Back when they mm. used to do those things. But now they're all on like YouTube or Twitter, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I I mean I didn't dial it up on my DVD. I just went to uh, the always re- helpful resource, Daily Simpsons on Twitter at Daily Simpsons. Well, uh, sometimes it's like okay, now push these numbers, and my 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 remote, my remote has no numbers anymore for uh, watching DVDs. Like, what do I do? Yeah, yeah. I I'm there. No, there aren't number buttons on my xbox controller when i'm watching it on my xbox now dvd remotes i mean we still use a playstation 3 to play the dvd we use in our live shows <laughs> um because that has the best remote it's a bluetooth remote it reaches 300 feet away through concrete and it has everything you need on it it's got the top menu and the pop-up menu and the newer for the playstation 5 they don't have it so we, we're stuck with the three wow i didn't know how useful it was man that's great oh it's incredible we stopped still, up we stocked yeah. up on ps3s i wrote a letter to uh a letter i emailed uh <laughs> playstation sony? yeah sony and i was like hey can you add the pop-up menu button on your remote and i haven't heard back yet and that was four years ago so. <laughs> yeah. they then had we come back from break i like how it's like them putting maggie to bed while they have this conversation i think it's really cute of them deciding whether to get bar to the guitar or not and i love the sound of homer hitting himself in the head with the crappy kids guitar <laughs> uh, and they are going to spend a lot of money on this guitar i guess first guitar they buy him has to be like 300 400 dollars yeah it's it's a huge mistake like get your kid a shitty acoustic guitar because electric guitar needs an amp this one is magic it doesn't need an amp most times it's a very magical guitar (laughs) one i i never learned how to play guitar bob i know you you gave it a go in your youth i did uh but then uh i didn't like my band members and i got grew very disillusioned (laughs) so i became a writer instead My dad played guitar in a band all growing up with travel, kind of a wedding band style thing. And he made a valiant effort to teach me how to play, but too hard. I just realized it's way too hard to play guitar. So I, I stopped. I couldn't do yeah, it. Yeah, I, I, I've started and stopped 
three or four times in my lifetime. And uh, in what Homer's advice to Bart at the end of that, uh, you know, or Bart says it was too hard, so I just gave up. That's a hundred percent what it was. It was too hard, so I just gave up. So did, did your neither of your fathers threaten to punch you like Homer does as, <laughs> as encouragement? <laughs> no threats of violence. No, no, I just quit on my own. No, my dad probably just embarrassed me somehow. I mean, for me, it did get too hard. And guitar players out there will agree with me. The F chord, they made it way too hard. They should have reworked that entire chord because you have to put your entire finger across the, the entire first uh, fret yes! or whatever you call it. It sucks. I could yeah for like try, practicing for four years, I could never pull off an f chord and and i was still like young and growing and, and powerful i can't i can barely do it these days who has that finger strength like yeah, nobody yeah. does i oh. was surprised at how like my dad's fingers tips of his fingers were all calloused from you know but i i didn't realize how much you had to press into the strings themselves and and how that gets a different sound and yeah i, I just gave up right away the four of us should do like a guitar podcast like where we just talk about uh, guitar playing our experiences with it just complaining about specific chords <laughs> we just fuck you c minor <laughs> it's a weekly podcast we each try to learn a song until we until we can play the song then no g- give me an- four guys who tried to learn the guitar and didn't they should all just be like the a chord just like you hold down like just pin- pinch the neck a little and you got an a chord and it's fine uh i also like the the instruction manual of 99 easy lessons like that was like printed in 1961 <laughs> with the the smiling guy with his guitar and also important to note here for trivia reasons they draw bart playing it left-handed he mm-hmm. has the guitar left-hand style like you know mccartney or Jimi hendrick i that's what i blame on me not learning guitars my dad was righty i'm lefty and i just couldn't transpose it in my head so that's why i'm not a guitar player, so. <laughs> it's also great that bart's instant uh cynical rock fantasy is just so so good like here's uh i have a clip here it's called dreams versus reality <laughs> but you've got to go on slag off you've changed man it used to be about the music i said slag off <laughs> Knock it off. I'm sorry. Knock it off. I was just jamming with you. Hey, Simpson, what are you trying to play? Polly Wally Doodle. Oh, yeah? Well, it sounds Polly Wally crappy. <laughs> Burn. They almost changed Nelson's catchphrase there. It's true. They're like, eh, it's ha-ha enough. He needs to say burn when he walks off screen. Like, burn. <laughs> He'd said ha-ha up to that point, right? Yes. yes. Like, yeah. that, okay. Oh, <laughs> funny that they didn't go with a ha-ha there. It's, uh, they, they wanted to follow it up with a burn. I, okay. I, I also, uh, yeah, they said that they tried to get piss off and sod off on the show, but the, the censors wouldn't allow it. So they, but they got in slag off. I, I think it's a more creative choice. You know, it, you're not expecting to hear the phrase slag off. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then Bart's fantasy instantly cuts to like the s- most cynical ending and him throwing an empty Jack Daniels bottle at his friend. <laughs> Used to be about the music. <laughs> 
I also like that Lisa is enjoying bullying Bart. Like normally he always gets to mock her musical ability, but now she's like just showing off and making him feel bad. I, I, I didn't take it as bullying though. I thought she was excited. Like, Oh, Bart's trying to like play music. So I want to, this is the one way I can interface with my brother, but she doesn't realize she's making him feel bad with she, her supreme skill. She's just jamming no. with him. Yeah. She, no, she wants to run circles around him. That's so? totally, that's what, that's what I, yeah, that's okay. how I took it. I never read it yeah. that way, but maybe that is the intent. Uh, this is when Bart is very sad and he walks onto the bus and this also i have to remind myself this with auto too this is like the end of a running gag with auto up to this point he had always been it's him on the bus while driving the bus he is humming songs like like he's humming like frankenstein or iron man or purple haze <laughs> so this is him finally like i'm gonna play for real a song instead of just humming the tune of it and honestly like Otto is so good this should be his real job i'd say his father was right that he abandoned to nothing because then why are you not doing this as your real job when you're as a great guitarist like uh what what's the what's wrong with you Otto? this episode does reveal Otto's age which I forgot because he was apparently born in 63 so he is 29 in this episode and I guess presumably for the entire run of the show he's a 29 year old man <laughs> I, I think it, oh his specific date is the day after my birthday it's January 18th I feel like you guys should mark that on the calendar and have a you know celebrate next year. Otto's birthday yeah there you go he'll yeah. be 61 next year yeah he's yeah. 60 this year <laughs> yeah <laughs> When they made an episode about Otto in 99, or at least the opening bit of his wedding, that even then it was like, he's such a dated character. Like his love of, uh, what was it? It's White Snake. He has a fake White Snake band at his uh, wedding. And it's like, this is dated. Like this is an old, you'd have to be old to want White Snake at your uh, wedding in 99. <laughs> and yeah, and Otto today, if you it, when they draw him in the show, he's still got the, the cassette player strapped to him and the puffy, white, old-fashioned um, uh, headphones too like he they never updated that he didn't give him they didn't give him like an ipod or whatever for his design i'm glad they did yeah, he should always be that but like what is there a modern modern um antecedent to like this burnout rock and roll dude i was thinking like spicoli from fast times at ridgemont high is that what you're mm -hmm. looking for or thinking of? yeah but like what is what is the modern version like in a movie oh, like set today? in the 2000s yeah like what is the what is that um is there a trope that's similar but for like a new like modern teen comedy or something like what's their version of the stoner burnout because mm. pot like everybody smokes pot now as like just a normal thing yeah, yeah. so like i guess, what I guess is... when, when sean william scott stopped acting we we lost those characters <laughs> It died with him. No, yeah. I, you know, I'm trying. So a recent movie that stars young people in it uh, that I'm trying to think of was uh, was Scream 6, uh, which I really liked. It's a really great movie. But the young people in it, I'm like, okay, well, who's the burnout of them? And I think the closest to it is like the stoneriest character in it is this pansexual young lady in it uh, who is uh, the niece of jamie kennedy's character from the first movie and i was like well she's kind of like she's the stoner of the group but she's also the movie nerd that's the best i can think because otherwise like the other the, the hesher type guys usually they now are like the incel characters in movies who like well they can't have sex and they're a loser like yeah it's and and also yes that that the pot is everywhere it's harder i would think it's probably harder to build your personality on being a stoner these days yeah, you just kind of yeah you're not in. rebelling you're not rebelling against anything anymore you know it means you went to the weed store and you spent a lot of money <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly now some of the current stuff with auto on the show is auto 
being upset that it's like everybody smokes pot now like that's the most recent like auto thing where he he goes to there's an episode where marge works at the dispensary and he goes to the dispensary and he's incredibly uncomfortable just openly asking to purchase pot he's like well what i just, <laughs> I just it, like can't you at least dress this up a little bit it's funny listen to like dr dre's the chronic now you know because it's just like oh smoking pot like that whole album was all about pot and you know that was the whole thing and now it's just like i don't know everybody kind of does it it's like you're not, you're not like the bad boy anymore you know like cheech and yeah. chong's whole act is like dead yeah, yeah if, like, right. if you want to be exactly. counterculture now you don't smoke pot uh, kevin smith stopped smoking pot recently yeah. you know what they got to do for counterculture they got to start smoking cigarettes is what they <laughs> go back to cigarettes right. that's the next one yeah no i i had that with a friend i don't i don't actually have any close friends who like actually still smoke cigarettes even the a lot of them just transferred over to vape but yeah. like i did hang, hang out with a friend uh a few years ago uh like 10 years ago where they were they were smoking a cigar they're like you know what fuck yeah i want to smoke a cigar this was a woman too who wanted to do it but and then when she was smoking the cigar somebody at first like was like oh cool is that a blunt can i hit it and then she's like no it's it's just a cigar and they were like Bleh. Like, like they were disgusted like, like lady you sicken me I, remember, I wonder if dr dre's next album will be like all about how much he loves like marlboros or like you know, he loves like a, he loves like a camel instead of instead of the pot leaf on the cd it'll be like a, a pa hard pack of marlboro red yeah. i think it'll be about yeah. his blood pressure medication because he's like 60 now oh that's right Maybe it'll be he's otto's age yeah. uh so uh so yeah they then otto then breaks into freebird which this commentary was the one where i realized how if a song if a real song is played on a show that costs money because they complain about it on the commentary and i was like all right you that's when i realized how expensive it is and i mean to play freebird on the show even a cover that had to cost them tens of thousands of dollars yeah they just didn't have to pay the publishing because otto's singing it but they still had to pay for the composition and that's ex i think that's the more expensive of the two yeah, I, uh, I uh, soon after this DVD set came out, I think was when I learned that in the Royal Tenenbaums movie, uh, if you've seen it in the early in the movie during the the growing up montage, it ends with like a bit of a triumphant falcon flying to the Hey Jude, and they wanted real Hey Jude in the movie, and they're like they could barely afford a cover of Hey Jude hmm. in it, like they it it was that expensive. <laughs> I think the Simpsons writers were just very tickled by these super long rock songs because Freebird is nine minutes long. There's a joke about uh, the opening of the concert for Bangladesh uh, in this season. Later, they do an Inagata DeVita song. I think there's like one more. I think there's an Inagata DeVita joke before that even, like long version. Yeah, yeah. that's in the Michael Jackson one. <laughs> so yeah. I think they're just tickled by these songs from their teenage years that are just endless. I, I was a production assistant for, for like right after college, and I was working on a shoot with one of the producers who happened to be, I think, the front man for Lips, Inc., who did Funky Town. And I, saw, I overheard a phone call he was getting, and he's like, okay, that's great. All right, awesome. And he hung up, and he's like, I just got $30,000 for Funky Town and for the movie Contact, the Jodie Foster movie Contact. And then I remember watching the movie, and Funky Town comes up 1.5 seconds, and it's like covered in static. You can't even hear it, and it's like, that dude got $30,000 just for that nothing part Wild, of the song man. i would have yeah. asked can i have one thousand dollars just uh, just test your luck there you know that Freebird thing too i do people still shout it out at concerts to be no. funny like i i hope it's dead that's long gone yeah. okay yeah, i haven't heard that in years 
David Cross had your your pal David Cross had a great joke about it where somebody would I think he this was like early aughts he did a bit where if somebody yelled Freebird during his show he had like a fake check that he would bring out and give them like you're the one millionth person to say Freebird at a live show and so, <laughs> that's, good. that's a good way to handle it yeah. this yeah. could be apocryphal I think it actually happened there was a band or maybe still is a band in which if people would yell that out they would actually punish the audience and play it <laughs> they would keep Freebird in their oh, back pocket. Great. Uh, so yes we we have a time cut that's him to the end of free bird so yeah they've they've been sat there for nine minutes i love uh, i would have been the nerd on the bus like martin telling people we were late for school i would have been the one to say <laughs> uh but yes uh auto get decides it's time to put pedal to the metal he tells everybody uh, just try to go live <laughs> that's a great line <laughs> meeting too i love that, uh, I love that joke he drives through the tire fire and this is the craziest one where like apparently in their original version they just drove by spinal taps bus they decided that they would pay extra for a late retake because like that doesn't feel good enough so it was a late addition that spinal taps bus explodes which apparently also annoyed christopher guest I mean, honestly, it is kind of an F you to like, oh, we put your characters in the show and we just unambiguously killed you. Like, you're, you guys are dead. We like. I thought that would have been fun. I thought that, I loved that idea. They're like, yeah, go ahead and kill us off. You know? Yeah. I yeah. mean, does it disrupt the canon of Spinal Tap by doing that? Or was it that it wasn't their idea that he didn't like? Uh, maybe. Well, I think they probably did like it wasn't their idea. But also, it's like. You know, if you want to be a big nerd about it, like I like being, uh, then this is the Simpsons universe version of Spinal Tap, right. not exactly. the, our universe version of Spinal Tap. That's so what I'm saying could. with the conflict of like pop culture, our pop culture, and then the fictional world's pop culture. When they combine like that, it disrupts. Mm. So, yeah. <laughs> and uh, well, and then, uh, well, yes, yeah, also it's funny hearing Christopher Guest tell the story that, or apparently Reese had heard that Christopher Guest's kids watched the episode with him and asked him, like, <laughs> so are you guys dead? And he's like, I guess we are. One thing they couldn't capture with his character, what's his name, Nigel Tufnell or yeah, something? Yeah, yeah. Is yeah. that I, in the movie, he is always chewing gum, like, very aggressively. Mm -hmm. And I yeah. just like, they, they, they couldn't really translate that to an animated character to be too distracting, but that's like the hallmark of his kind of improv style with the character just sl slack jaw chewing gum looking very disinterested and everything that'd be so difficult to animate chewing gum yeah. and like moving their lips to speak i like that um the, the they get a few lines of dialogue before they crash and it's, they're talking about how well the show went <laughs> yes. when it was clearly a disaster you know like the thing didn't inflate and they called it early and yeah they're saying oh well, i thought it went great and, and i like that harry shearer's character has his pipe which he had all the time in the movie i also yeah. like that yeah yeah and also i was thinking a guest of like oh yeah his most recent appearance was i was hoping to see him at the at oscars and when jamie lee curtis won i was like so are we gonna see him and she she thanked him like and my wonderful husband christopher guest cut to him in the audience and he's just a proud proud husband and you know what the hollywood they say these things don't last they've been together a long time mm -hmm. those two and I, I hope they're never they never divorce it's cute i always think because she's so outgoing and seems like just kind of a firecracker and a lot of fun and christopher guest is the opposite <laughs> as a public persona anyway so i think it works I also like their kids, the the kids they talked about as they were growing up. Their kids are also like big dorks like us uh, and that, especially for v 
video games and anime and five six years ago at a big fighting game convention uh called evo the kids went the, their their team kids went there dressed up and jamie lee and christopher guest also came dressed up as uh fighting game characters from street fighter and tekken uh respectively jamie lee curtis i believe was she was vega i think i think so and that, now she's lobbying to be in the one piece live action netflix show because uh well because jamie lee curtis's daughter loves uh one piece yeah uh and uh but yeah so they then crash the the bus it even knocks over the jebediah springfield statue was like wow that's that's a lot of damage yeah Otto gets a slap on the wrist he's killed three men <laughs> he's destroyed a statue <laughs> he says there's no zero fatalities but yes you're right he did kill he just killed those everybody on that tour bus really yeah but this is when skinner fires Otto, or actually no he gives him like he bans him from driving until he gets a, a license he actually doesn't even fire him <laughs> oh, it's a miracle no one was hurt. Oh, I stand on my record. Fifteen crashes and not a single fatality. Let's see your license, pal. No can do. Never got one. But if you need proof of my identity, I wrote my name in my underwear. Oh, wait, these aren't mine. <laughs> well, that tears it. Until you get a license and wear your own underwear, mister, you are suspended without pay. Who's going to drive the bus? I drove an all-terrain vehicle in Da Nang. I think I can handle it. Boy, ever since they discovered Skinner's backstory, they are just hitting it with a Vietnam joke every episode. <laughs> yeah, guys, it was only six produced, five aired episodes and six produced episodes earlier, they decided that Skinner was a Vietnam vet, and now it's every episode they, they, they are hitting it. The next episode is the great series of speeches of him just going like, I thought they'd be welcoming back, and then they spat on me. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> did, did he say, well, that just tears it? Because I've never heard that expression before. That just tears it. Yeah, yeah. Yep. It's a good old man. I don't think I ever heard somebody say that for real. It's a nice fuddy-duddy expression. <laughs> okay. Probably like old movies, they would say it. Yeah. I love his stance of like, until you get your own li get a license and wear your own underwear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We cut to Skinner driving the bus, and I like his line of like, that's one palindrome you won't be hearing for a while. <laughs> I love that and, joke. And Bart is shocked. Like, Bart knows what he means by that. He didn't have to say he's suspended. He's just like, oh, gas, Bono's gone. <laughs> and uh, Skinner at first thinks it's all silly songs and chuckles, but he'll learn. Uh, I never had this song growing up as a kid. Did you no. guys have anything like it? And this didn't really teach us uh, in my school to sing. Like, no, no one sang this song. I mean, we, like the Jingle Bells, Batman Smells, I had heard that before. For the Simpsons, but that really popularized it. You would hear that. Nobody was doing this one, at least in, in my school. I'd never heard it before The Simpsons. Yeah. No, we did uh, Wheels on the Bus Go Round and Round. And also, we had a, a bus driver who was also the geometry teacher. Um, <laughs> oh, boy. Named, named uh, Mr. Thede, Norman Thede. And so we did a clever parody called Dent, Dent, Dent. A Norman drives the bus. <laughs> and uh, that was the thing we did to annoy that bus driver. Oh. But no, it was mostly spitwads and things like that. And echoing in his head as he's drinking bourbon at the end of the night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I remember having some like farm kid friends and uh, going to their house like for an overnight on Friday and just like the buses were just unruly. I mean, this is probably like, this is probably like mid eight, like late eighties, but man, it was just Lord of the flies on those buses. Uh, yeah. Were either of you bus kids growing up? Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. In middle school. Did and you high know school. how to do? Yeah. Did you? Because I remember going on field trips. It was the time I, I was within walking distance of the school. But the bus kids, they always knew how to do those really complicated windows where you have to apply all the pressure in the world on your fingertips to 
go in and then down. So I'd always have to ask a bus kid for help with the windows on a field trip bus trip. I mean, those were usually just blood blisters waiting to happen. They're just built to tear <laughs> yeah. apart your fingers, those windows. And most of them were just jammed. Yeah, oh, they'd be like sort of crooked. Like, yeah. Yeah, like, uh, uh, yeah. now I, I'm kind of glad I became a bus kid in middle school because uh, in elementary school, my mom worked close by so she could drop us off or we'd walk home from it. But uh, yeah, as, uh, by middle school, I was, I mean, I, I probably would be an even more cloistered uh, little boy <laughs> had I not gotten to be on the bus. And it, was it a rough first year being on the bus with the bus kids? Uh, yes, yes, it was. But eventually I, and that's where I got my, my childhood nickname of Opie. Uh, which was a reference to the film to the film Baby's Kids, uh, which in that movie wow. that uh, when the one white kid becomes friends with uh, the 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 stars of the show, they say like we're gonna we we're gonna call you Opie. And the that's titular Baby's Kids, right? Yes, the Baby's Kids uh, call a friend Opie, and that's why it was my nickname. So eventually they they brought you you got you did the initiation and you got on you were, you were pretty cool much yeah okay. I I'm not saying I was never bullied again but uh, they <laughs> there was some level of proving themselves uh, <laughs> well from one cloistered kid to another I'm proud of you for that Henry good job there was no initiation I just got on the bus and sat down oh man no there was <laughs> for a, me there was a real feeling of like who's this we we got to test him like and it was yeah. just a lot of a lot of questions and answers so yes uh, well speaking of questions this is when we go back to the DMV we see Patty and Selma and uh, they are talking again about how much they don't like Homer just to build up what's going to happen. And uh, this is when Otto's going to take his test. And uh, this is an important lesson to, to, to even today. Do not question someone's gender out loud. Like a stranger, like that's a very rude thing to do. Like even if it's probably even worse if you say, I'm open-minded. <laughs> like don't, you know. Uh, Otto is, uh, I will say he's not hateful. He's curious, but he's also tactless. So. Yes. Yeah. It's, I, I like, this, like, I'm open-minded. Like he's, uh, <laughs> yeah. Does he say don't don't take this the wrong way or something? Yeah, yeah. You, you yeah, were yeah. born a man, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Which uh, that is a terrible way to start with Pat. I just love her. Like, won't be needing this. Just drops it. And Otto in his test uh, celebrates hitting over every single cone. <laughs> Uh, then we uh, we cut back to Skinner after Otto fails the test, and this is again one of my other favorite moments. I there's a lot of great moments in this episode. All right, yeah. <laughs> so how did I do? Well, you failed every segment and misspelled bus on your application. Dre, let me in. Let me in. He steps on the clutch and the toilet goes flush. Hail to the shut up. <laughs> <laughs> he had some life in him back then. Uh, shut up! Yeah, you're right. That's that's just like how when he's Mr. Burns screaming at his lawyers and Bart gets hit by a car. Yeah, it's, I couldn't help but think of the um, sideshow uh, Bob stepping on a rake uh, with the grumble that he makes there. With the, uh, it's very similar. You're right. Yeah, it's uh, same kind of like direction they must have given on like this is how we want a shutter to be. That's such a great like and and yes, I uh, also when I learned to drive, I had this same problem that Skinner has. It was just like, oh no, no, okay, like, can't merge. There's, there's a uh, yeah, there's a Portlandia bit where I think Fred Arms is playing Peter, who's the very like emasculated you know portland resident who just can't his wife gets so mad at him because he can't get home because he can't make a left turn um even on a slow street in portland 
I, I love the drawing of Skinner in there too. Once he's like exasperated and he has like stubble, he has like Homer stubble now. And then like the, he undid his tie and unbuttoned his shirt. Oh man. Adding the stubble was genius. Yeah. You know, this is back when they could give guys Homer stubble. Now it's a rule. Like nobody gets to have Homer stubble, but Homer, but, uh, <laughs> and then, uh, this is when we had the great fun eviction scene as a child, speaking of being an innocent child, I didn't know what eviction was as a kid. I learned it from this. Like, Oh, someone can tell you to not live where you live. (laughs) You can run out of rent. What is this rent thing? Uh, But I have the line reading. I had mustard in my head. Uh, It's been there forever. Whenever I see mustard in my fridge, I think of this. Uh, That's great. I had mustard. I also like that the landlord has the New York accent. Like, I feel like most landlords in cartoons or any sort of like central casting landlords, like, Hey, you know, Yes, I, I yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, they always pull out the New York accent for those guys. Every landlord comes from New York. They move to yeah, everywhere else right. to own money. <laughs> uh, I also like how he says like psycho magazines, which apparently that's uh, psycho magazine was a real old co- horror comic anthology. Oh, I thought he. It, oh, I it was cycle. Oh, cycle. I thought it was psycho. Like, uh, motorcycle because uh, oh. later. He's asking Marge if he has an, uh, she has any magazines where people send in pictures of their chicks. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Easy <Yeah>. writer. Yeah. <laughs> Which those but, those are sex crimes now. Uh, <laughs> I I remember it says Psycho in the uh, subtitles on the Disney Plus version of it. So I don't know if that was a it's P you know capital P S uh, Y C H O. I feel like um, Cycle's and, funnier though. I feel like Cycle has to be it. Like mm. he has a couple cycle magazines, <laughs> like, but yeah, he also would have old obscure horror magazines too. So yeah, it could be either. But yeah, cycle magazines is funny. Uh, and see, now we have a new question for the internet: like, is it cycle or psycho? They says there. We got a all the more reason to get an <laughs> answer from Jeff Meyer or Jeff Martin. <laughs> Hey, Frankie X says Psycho. They're not always right, but in this case, I'll use them to prove myself correct. Wow. So the Disney one says Psycho, and this says, if a Frankie X says Cycle. That's crazy. Well, wait. No, I have it up now, and it's capital Cycle. Like, if the title is Cycle, uh, like a motorcycle. Oh, wow. So right. I'm wrong. I, I got it mixed Okay, up. then Sorry. it's just me. I misheard Cycle as Psycho. Okay. Eddie's internet. Eddie's. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. I, I, I've been. They've already <laughs> written in the lead of their comments. <laughs> my my child. Childhood has been defeated here. Uh, so then, well, also speaking of things I didn't know as a kid, I didn't know what chutney was. I, I think unfortunately, it's given this chutney squishy joke has given me a bad impression of. I never have actually tried chutney. I've had other Indian food, but oh, chutney's wonderful. Yeah, I've, it's delightful. <laughs> it's just like a jam, like a mango jam, or yeah, it's good. Uh, Bart's Bart's reaction uh, has scared me ever since as a kid. It's uh, I mean, it's not it's not like I have Indian food all the time anyway. But uh, you know what? Now next time this will drive me. I'm gonna finally eat chutney. I'll, Get I'll yourself some chutney. <laughs> and uh, it's not like I'm an unadventurous eater. I've had other stuff, but yeah, it's uh, <laughs> you couldn't cite another food item. You've yeah, like, I've eaten uh, stuff. stuff but no, <laughs> like, oh, no, I've had, believe I've had, me, uh, if stuff is there, yeah. I'm 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 dallying up. <laughs> No, I've, I mean, I've had other Indian food. I've had, uh, well, of course, the white guy won the chicken tiki marsala. I've, of course, had that. You called it marsala? Uh, yeah. That's, uh, yeah. <laughs> Look, all right. It's, my, my case is falling apart here. <laughs> We're going to Raj's Indian restaurant right after this, fellas. Come on, let's do it. Uh, and so uh, then this is when everybody gets to learn the dumpster. They credit this to George Meyer, this, this wonderful joke about brands. Oh. Auto man? 
You're living in a dumpster? Oh, man, I wish. Dumpster brand trash bins are top of the line. This is just a trash go waste disposal unit. Otto, why don't you come home with me? You can stay in our garage. A garage? Oh, somebody up there likes me. That's a great sound. I forget how long it goes. And this is also an important moment in the show because it's the first time someone is invited to live with them. Uh, and that will happen again in like two episodes with Herb Powell. Right? Right, yeah, he moves into that this one. This just becomes yeah. a, a standard plot device for the show. <laughs> Somebody moves in. Yeah. The carnies. Yeah, poo. Uh, Don't they kind of make fun of that with the, the Poochie episode, too? Roy's, Roy's moving in, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, Roy just shows Roy up. Shows up. Had, uh, yeah. Chester Lampwick. Oh, oh, yeah. Michael Keaton's uh, character from right. the X-Con. Yeah. <laughs> this is something about American slang or just... We like to call things the most prominent ba- brand name. We call yeah. we call things Kleenex, we call yep. things Band-Aids, and we call things dumpsters. And yeah, I always thought like, well, yes, a dumpster is just, that's where you put a whole bunch of trash. But dumpster is a brand name. Like, it is a dumpster. And so it's so great that Otto was like, uh, dumpster's top of the line. I'm just in a trash co-waste <laughs> disposal unit. The only reason uh, I know that, that dumpster was a brand is because like, when we started, we would we we send out our own press releases for our found footage show. And Nick, I remember you would you'd make up the press release, and I'd always see dumpster capitalized, and be like, "Why is he capitalizing dumpster?" It's like, "No, oh, no, it's supposed to be actually capitalized." It's like, what? Yeah, it's because autocorrect would do would would say, "Hey, it's wrong," you know, add a capital D there. But you know, the the British like to lord that over you, like, "Oh, you call everything Kleenex and dumpsters." They call vacuuming hoovering. They're the worst offenders of all. So take that, England. You do it too. <laughs> Let me ask you this though: What is a dumpster then, if it's not a dumpster? Because I don't know any like tissue for Kleenex. Yeah, obviously there's other words, but what is a dumpster? What'd you call it? It's weird because when I was writing the note, uh, I was just describing what was happening. Like Otto was in the dumpster, and I was like, "Oh wait, that's the joke that he's not in the dumpster." But <laughs> nobody says waste disposal unit or whatever. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, if I pointed at it, I can't like. I looked up like, oh, in England they call them like skips or like I guess. Oh, I guess I would uh, say it's, like it's a mega bin. Yeah, a mega, mega I guess. Bin. <laughs> I mean, I'd call it, I would point to it and say, like, well, the big bin, put it in there if I didn't say dumpster. But you would just say dumpster. I mean, also, because, like, thanks to internet parlance, like, dumpster is hotter than ever now. The word dumpster fire is dumpster fire. Yes, yes. Wow, dumpster. Nice work on that name. I mean, it's a I think the weirdest. The weirdest one to me when you don't use the brand name though is sanitary napkin. Oh. I mean, it's a mac, it's a maxi pad. Yeah. Like, I mean, a, a napkin. I don't know. For some reason, that one is just uh, the the Brits. It bothers me. The Brits confused me with plaster for uh, a band aid. Band aid. Yeah. Yes, wait, that's the weirdest plaster? one. Well, yeah, because I was like, well, wait, plaster is to me sounds like a liquid that then becomes solid, it's, which is not what a band aid well, does. Yeah, it sounds what the like hell you're spackling call- your wound. Yeah. I guess you kind of are, but like, what do they call plaster then? Plaster? Mm, I don't know that. Uh, I, uh, man, it's. I mean, torch versus flashlight. At least flashlight isn't a brand name, or maybe it is actually. Now I'm saying this, maybe it is actually a brand name. <laughs> well, we do it the right way. I think we can all agree. Yeah, yeah. we're always correct. We have nukes <laughs> mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. We have yeah. nuclear weapons, so They're don't argue bar- with us. UK is only borrowing nukes from us. Yeah, 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 yeah. They can't boss us around <laughs> with our nukes. So yes, we cut back to it, and here is where a great mystery comes in, which. Me and Bob tried to dig for extra answers on this and have yet to get one. 
uh, but Bob, well, you were the one who reminded me of it, Bob. Yes. So uh, there's a little thing called the Disney Afternoon in which uh, new shows would premiere, things that uh, we grew up with like Tailspin and Darkwing Duck and Goof Troop. One of the least popular shows of that block was called Quack Pack, which was about Donald Duck raising Huey, Dewey, and Louie, except now they're like cool poochie style teens. And uh, Jeff Martin, the writer of that this episode, is credited with that theme song. And it turns out the song Otto is playing in this episode is uh, suspiciously similar to the Quack Pack theme song. So I guess we can play the clip and then yeah, talk about it. You, here, listen to them back to back to compare. I feel like rocking so I think I will. I rock it, rock it, rock it till I get my feel, yeah. I feel like rocking so I think I will. <laughs> So there you have it. 100%. I think there's a lawsuit to be had there. (laughs) Well, Jeff Martin had to deal with Disney. When he left The Simpsons after season four, he created two sitcoms. They were both Touchstone Television. He also wrote for Homeboys from Outer Space. That is Touchstone as well. And I feel like they needed a Quack Pack theme song. He had that in his back pocket, and he was able to use it for both shows. Get paid twice. So good on him. (laughs) Guys, this is the only show that would uncover something like that. So bravo, I gotta say that is just uh, genius Tipping my hat. work. Tip in my hat to that. I Thank don't know you. if we should be ashamed or not, but uh, no one else is going to do <laughs> a this. Little, correct. A little. Well, on Quack Pack, I feel a small amount of shame. I don't believe it's even on Disney Plus. I think it's one of those ones <laughs> that's like not on Disney Plus. Oh, they give you bonkers, but not Quack Pack. Come on. <laughs> oh no, wait, guys, band. guys. Now I'm looking on New York Times. Actually, covered this a few years ago. Oh, yeah, <laughs> was it Frank Rich? Yeah, expose? sorry. Yeah, you guys are you guys are late to this. <laughs> oh, I am incorrect. Quack Pack is on Disney Plus. My bad. Okay. But, uh, right. Well, I think it totally was that Jeff Martin. We 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 have his email, but he has not replied yet. Uh, well, give an update, listeners, when we find out. We did find out that like Algina Mike Reese, who also signed this overall deal at Disney, that then when Disney doesn't make their TV shows, they're like, well, since we're paying you, like help with this cartoon thing for a couple afternoons. So like, if you guys remember that there was a Mighty Ducks. Um, cartoon that was about like basically ninja turtle style mighty ducks like not no that, i don't uh, remember this they were actual ducks right yeah they it were ducks like, from outer space that yeah. uh were uh, and al gene and mike reese like wrote on the original like story bible for that like they came up with it and worked on it early and so i think i would assume the same deal happened to jeff martin that he was like that michael eisner was probably saying we're paying this guy millions of dollars and we don't even make his tv show make him write something for a cartoon make him do the opening to this thing (laughs) if they were separate companies now fox maybe could sue disney over this but now they're just owned by the same people so it doesn't even matter (laughs) and nobody except you noticed that nobody i guarantee this is why it's our job yes our full-time job respect the hell out of it Hello, everybody. It's Henry and Bob from the future here. And we did just two days after the recording. We got an answer from Jeff Martin that we were hoping for. You might not recognize us, but yes, we are two years older. Oh, sorry, two days older. <laughs> Feels like two. No, it does. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So we asked Jeff Martin why uh, the Quack Pack sounds so much like the song in this episode. And here's what he had to say. I was on an overall deal at Disney and they asked if I could take a shot at writing a theme song for Quack Pack. So I played 
plagiarized myself. I'm not a good enough songwriter to keep coming up with entirely new tunes. The Flaming Mo song has the same opening as the late night anthem I wrote for Letterman. And so there you go. I had, and I asked him like, is it this late night anthem? And he, he agreed like, uh, listen to the start of this. It is the same as Flaming Mo's. Okay. I, I think he just ripped himself off for the intro. Yeah, just but, the intro, uh, not the full song. <laughs> hey, you know, if you can make it work, make it work. And Jeff Martin certainly did. Yeah, I love that. He he also had a funny thing, too. I uh, we, we asked him as well, like, do you know whose idea was to put Spinal Tap in the show? And he says, I don't remember where the idea to use Spinal Tap came from. Probably we all just loved the movie. There was an idea for Millhouse and Bart to go to a rock concert, and Harry was right there. And he also had one other funny thing to say. The cultural reach of Simpsons is so amazing that someone can reference for example old man yells at cloud and everyone knows what they're talking about last year i was driving through south dakota listening to the radio and nobody rocks like springfield was mentioned i thought holy cow i wrote that joke kind of mind-blowing so there you go though our guess that it was part of his Disney overall deal uh, was true. We were correct. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we thank Jeff Martin very much for clarifying and, and letting us know. Well, he's a great guy. And he took time out of his busy Jeff Martin lifestyle. Yeah, he's... Of writing <laughs> the same song over and over again. We're on to you, pal. Uh, and hey, if you haven't yet, go back in the archives and listen to our interview with Jeff Martin from unbelievably four years ago in 2019. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. But all right, back to this podcast you were listening to. Uh, so after that fun song, uh, this is when uh, Bart pitches to them moving in, which I, uh, this is a quick clip here. I love every time somebody, I mean, we love impre- doing impressions of Julie Kavner's Marge. I love when any character does it on the show. Mom, I thought you might forget our little conversation this afternoon, so I took the precaution of recording it. What conversation? Mom. Can Otto live in our garage for as long as he wants? He sure can! Marge, what were you thinking? That's not my voice. Oh, everybody says that when they hear themselves on tape. <laughs> Solid He's comedy right there. Right it's as good <laughs> as it gets. Old Homer of his own wife's voice. <laughs> I mean, I do feel that when I hear recordings of my own voice at first, when this job started, I was like, oh, man, I guess I do sound like that. Now, I just power through. I still don't love the sound of my own voice. but No, we're the same. We we have 257 episodes of our uh, VCR party show. And at first, I was just like, I can't bear to watch this. But now I'm I'm used to my own irritating voice so we can begrudgingly edit ourselves yeah and uh, uh premiere <laughs> we get to hear why he can't move in with his parents the admiral and i don't get along and we meet the admiral in season 11 so they they pay that off it's for great. otto's oh. other biggest starring role to date in season 11 you know that must have been a trope too because I, I believe in bill and ted you know keanu reeves's dad is a military guy too he's not i don't know if he's an admiral but he's a high up in the military and sending him off to alaska to go to military school right so that must have been it like the stoner you know rebellious stoner always has the military father that's another of my favorite scenes in spinal tap when they go to the military base just oh, fred willard <laughs> oh so- fred willard all right, I wanted, I wanted more of him in the movie. He was yeah. he, like he's such a bright spot at the end of the movie. 
I want uh, yeah, more Fred Willard in every movie. Yeah. What happened? That's another of my all-time favorite <laughs> things. Uh, but I also love uh, Marge quotes uh, Matthew twenty-five forty, and then Homer just makes up a quote, which I love how he says like, "Thou shalt not take moochers into thine hut." Like he's trying to think of what the word would be. <laughs> where where would people in biblical times live? Not home, hut. Yeah, <laughs> that's what they're living in, like cavemen or something. Like that. <laughs> yeah. I love that word. You can see the gears turning too, and he says, yeah. "Hut to thine <laughs> hut." Like yeah, he has like the satisfaction of like hut. Like he's it he, he just hit him. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I think we've all been there, shirtless like Otto, watching Prices Right in the afternoon. We've all been there, <laughs> getting hungry for cans of corn. Yeah, I uh, take my shirt off every opportunity I can. Like if it's <laughs> if it's a little too hot out, shirt comes off easily. <laughs> and I don't have one of those bodies to like show off either. But like I'll do it because it feels nice. And fifty-seven cents for a can of corn—that's uh, not you wouldn't get that much, uh, not that cheap these days. Yeah. <laughs> now Marge tells him he should uh, he should he, she's trying to tell him to look for a job, uh, but he's thinking that's to read. And I love his three examples of things he would read. Where's Waldo? A book from the vampire's point of view, which I would guess means interview with a vampire or similar type films. <laughs> and then guys sending pictures of their naked chicks, which, yeah, I guess that was like Easy Rider or, uh, or motorcycle magazines. Though that, that must be, those magazines can't do that anymore, right? Like, that's revenge porn. Like, you can't do that anymore. No, I think it was like it was from Easy Rider because I and I know this because we have a couple Easy Rider videos. But like we have the, ten of them, I, I counted yeah. in the office last time. Yeah, but they, the uh, the concept of the of the magazine was to uh, have the biker guys send in pictures of their wives or girlfriends. So I don't know. I mean, it, it well, I don't know. Maybe it was like a revenge porn. I, well, I, I guess, guess I always looked at it as like, hey, we're all buddies here. Let's see them. Well, I guess if the wives are doing it, like if they consented to it, then that's cool. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Easy you know, Rider I, didn't I, require a notarized letter of consent, though. That's true. I can't imagine. No, <laughs> I can't. I, a bit of a power dynamic. It's not exactly equal playing field in biker culture. <laughs> I don't think. You know, some of the weirdest VCR parties are when you guys have watched uh, light pornography. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Uh, what was that one? On the, it was about internet sex or like online sex. How to have cyber sex on the internet. That, that was an it. instructional video. Yep. Teaching you how to do that. That complicated process. <laughs> but they didn't give you any real information. That That's not why people bought it. So, but it was like the the instructor who's teaching you about the internet. They didn't even use like a real web browser or anything. She would do it topless while she's mm. teaching you about the internet. So, I, on a dial-up. Yep. <laughs> yep. I guess it's really just to help guys imagine that, like, yes, it's a beautiful topless woman who I'm talking to on the other <laughs> side of this. Like, yeah, yeah, yep. but it's actually very a very tedious video. You watch this and you're like, oh, cyber sex is really tedious. It's funny that now the internet has ruined the market of those videos of like that you would pay like forty dollars to see like five minutes of boobs or something. It's just like it uh, the 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 economy of that is completely changed. Oh, yeah. yeah, those videos don't exist anymore, except, I guess, in our office in uh, Brooklyn. <laughs> we got a lot of them, too. And so uh, this is when Homer it teaches a bad lesson to Bart after. Uh, this is also how they, on the commentary, they mock how, like, oh, I guess this is how we wrap up this story. Like, very, very emptily of, like, Bart stops learning how to play guitar. <laughs> Will you knock it off? I can't hear myself sing. I want some peanuts. That's better. Hey, how come you never play your guitar anymore? I'll tell you the truth, Dad. I wasn't good at it right away, so I quit. I hope you're not mad. Son, come here. 
<laughs> of course I'm not mad. If something's hard to do, then it's not worth doing. You just stick that guitar in the closet next to your shortwave radio, your karate outfit, and your unicycle, and we'll go inside and watch TV. What's on? It doesn't matter. <laughs> The music makes it complete there. I love it. Like, yeah, this is, as a kid, I don't think I realized enough that this is a joke. Uh, I yeah. Think it's, a, it's a lesson I'm still trying to unlearn. Well, like, if something's hard, it's not worth doing. Like, or, it's that, that, the orchestration is such a sitcom trope, though. You know, like, the, Nick and I in college, we would stay up and we'd watch two episodes of Step by Step every single night at one o'clock in the morning until two o'clock in the morning. And that we called them orchestration scenes. Like the orchestration would come in when they're telling the serious lesson. And then we would like do the, uh, like we're conducting the orchestra as it comes. It's like, oh, orchestra. Step by step orchestra. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was a very uh, like signature TGIF move. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, the orchestration coming in during the serious part. Yeah. Let's you know it's a serious part. <laughs> I just love that like, I was like, well, it's not worth doing. And then, what are they going to do now? Passively watch television. It doesn't even matter what's on. Just just that you watch it. That's all you have to do. I again, I need I've been trying to unlearn this lesson my this whole was, life. This was irony. Yes, yeah. Well, yeah, and then we do uh our own sort of cartoon-based series on YouTube called Saturday Morning Cartoons where we're watching forgettable cartoons. I think some of them you you've covered too on your cartoon show. And we've had you guys both on right, um right. separately on on episodes. And Joe often will ask me because i my sister and i would watch every cartoon we would go through the tv guide okay 6 a.m smurf switch over to 6 30 to fluffy dogs you know we had it all mapped out and joe often asks well what were you doing were you engaging in these cartoons and it was like no we were just passively watching them for something to do joylessly while eating cereal. joylessly <laughs> staring yeah. at the tv not thinking critically about them yeah, just yeah. taking them in having discussions afterwards would you have discussions with your absolutely sister? No, not like... no <laughs> yeah, no, I think I've heard my mom joke to me that like as a kid when I first watched TVs, you're just like just open mouth staring at it. Just like, <laughs> well, it's the it's TV. I have to watch it. Like, yeah. The, the irony would come in late. I think Simpsons was one of the first things to teach me like you can actually like really like something and it's actually like good and not just like the a cartoon to watch because it's a cartoon <laughs> and you have nothing else to do. You, you know, I have good news though about the state of the world. My niece and nephew, they're seven and nine. In the last six months, they found Simpsons and they can't get enough. Like oh, my great. nephew, especially the, the the my my quote at the beginning, the hankering for some pork products. I texted my brother i was like have harry give me a quote for this and he did the crusty line of hankering for, and he did the whole recited the whole line nine years old the, the problem is that my brother is just like he goes i didn't realize like you know it's a pretty cynical and sometimes dark show he's like for a nine-year-old he's like sometimes i wonder if i should actually have you know be having him watch this but uh they can't get enough they watched it constantly and it's so great and i love it oh that's awesome i love hearing that yeah I, you you hear that this show on disney plus is one of their in business weeklies they brag like it's the one of the most watched things consistently all the time on there is simpsons and i was like well i hope it's it's not just you know people in their 40s who are <laughs> at the end of a hard day just like oh, i'll just put on a simpsons i i mean that's I the main hope- reason i have it Yes, well, I have yeah. Disney Plus. Yeah. But for I'm glad some young people are watching it too. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. They love it. Actually, when we got to do our photo op with Conan O'Brien, he was telling us that like uh, Bob was wearing a Simpsons pin and he oh, says right. like, Oh, I'm so happy my son, I'm watching it with him all the time. He loves the Simpsons now. <laughs> 
Yeah. So it's, even with the celebs. Well, it's pretty evergreen. You know, like everything's pretty much evergreen on that show. I would say like 85% of every episode. I think the thing that dated this episode is the most was Nelson saying burn. <laughs> to me, that, that read as a sort of a Wayne's World era not kind of thing. But yeah. everything else, yeah. Kids will be confused by that Crystal Pepsi reference. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's true. Uh, so after all that's res- resolved, it's time to for Homer to get sick of Otto. I love his, his little pee-pee dance i don't know how else to put it of just what the guy way called a pee-pee dance yeah, the way he's going like i gotta go and no fooling like and this is when it hit me how extra rude Otto is being because he's not using the kids bathroom he's in the their bedroom using the bathroom in the master bedroom like that is extremely rude to do and uh clogging up the drain leaving a spilling clogged drain too like yeah you, you can see why uh, homer wants him out of there <laughs> Uh, I also like that he's called Poppin' Fresh. The, not the last time Homer will be uh, confused for Poppin' Fresh. Mm-hmm. The, the Pillsbury Doughboy. Triple Maybe Bleach another, 2. <laughs> Maybe there's another date, dated reference there, too. I don't know. I don't think Poppin' Fresh. Did they kill him off? I think you still did see him Pillsbury kill him off? I think. Uh, but you know what? Like, I remember, you know, we talked about Airplane earlier. And I remember watching that. And then the part where they're doing, um, you know, like, oh, that's odd. Bill never orders fish at home. And that was a reference I realized years later to an advertising campaign of somebody's thinking in their head, oh, that's odd. You know, their husband never does this at home. And like, there's a reference to a Folgers commercial in Airplane 2 that like, I didn't get any of that, but it just seems like a funny non sequitur. Or it makes you want to like, ask your parents what what were they referencing here and that's not bad that's not a bad thing i view our podcast is helpful to let people know that too like just if you you weren't around for this 1990 commercial that they are directly like oh this commercial about well actually this isn't the critic but yes you child could not possibly remember the like the commercial where the guy takes a break and he drinks his diet coke and all the ladies watching yeah. from a window or like the mean joe green coke commercial that i never saw as a kid but i saw it referenced a lot 10 years later uh and uh, so yes homer then he says gotta get rid of this guy they then pan up to him telling a bedtime story to lisa and he's telling her one of like the top urban legends around like in an urban legend so big that in the start of the 1998 horror film urban legends this is the urban legend they show in the start of it of the killer in the back seat is what it's officially called there's a whole great snopes article trying to deconstruct the origins of it of like where was it first talked about the first time they could find it published was like in the mid 60s and there's sort of a twilight zone episode that start has this sort of concept in it but just the idea of like of usually a woman stops her car somewhere gets back in her car and doesn't realize somebody got in the back seat a person is flashing their lights the entire time and they think she's being harassed by the guy behind her but it's actually trying to warn them and uh i've heard the version of the story to where the woman like stops at a gas station and then the the uh attendant says oh can uh, I, I need to ask you a question about your bill in the in the building or in uh, at the register and they go inside he's like you know there's a guy back there and then they call the cops and all that but i uh snopes isn't really sure where it came from so there's hmm. there's no one like real incident that uh that inspired it apparently uh and a great scream by yardley when he says that because <laughs> because i am that maniac huge scream like uh we're saying it with Harry Shearer. Yardley Smith goes huge on this Lisa scream here. Well, you know, it's one of three lines she's given in this episode, so she saved up all of her lung power for this. <laughs> oh, yeah. Go big. 
She, uh, yeah, actually, her own, uh, what, she points at Bart on the TV and says, like, uh, see for yourself. Like, and also, uh, I was just jamming with you. Yeah, that's, that really and, is And uh, we don't have seatbelts. So oh, it's yeah. like, this is their, their fourth line <laughs> in this episode. Easy week for Yardley. Yeah. <laughs> so this is when Homer has had enough and he's telling him to leave. Get the maniac and kill her. That. And you know how I know? How? Because I was that maniac. <laughs> Yeah, let's just get it. That's it. He's out of here. But Homer, we're the only family. He's got. I don't care. This is not Happy Days, and he is not the Fonz. Hey, Mr. S. Listen, you drain-clogging, last-cookie-eating, collect-call-getting sponge. I want you out of my house. Heavy. What are you going to do, Otto? Oh, don't worry. There's plenty of money out there for a guy who knows how to fake his own death. Well, before you do that, maybe you should take the driving test again. Oh, I can't pass that thing. I got a zero last time. This time I'm hungover. <laughs> I love, I love this, this time I'm hungover. <laughs> God, such a great delivery. It's a well-drawn character in this episode. Like, every line is spot on. And he's like, oh, this is like he got really drunk the night before, and now he's being forced to take it. <laughs> and then in the next scene, when he's studying up, he says, like, Alcohol in- increases your ability to drive. False. Oh, man. Like, it seemed like he was thinking, like, well, if I get drunk, I'll do better on the test, right? <laughs> that was my biggest laugh of the episode is when he had to flip to the pages and went, false. Yeah. Like, text the back. Yeah. I also like how he says, he says, well, I've been trying as an adult before, but ah, I'll do it. Like, he's never actually been an adult before. <laughs> so they, they go to take the test. Otto finds his confidence because... It's another great bit of like, oh, one thing's not insulting, but if it's a sponge, that's sponge. Insulting. <laughs> yeah, it's another. Yeah. Every every way he says words in this is funny. They yeah. should have had more auto. Maybe know? this just wrecked Harry Shearer. <laughs> he as a rule, he's like, you get two auto lines tops for me <laughs> any episode. I gotta say, both of you guys have great auto impressions. <laughs> oh, thank you. Both of you do. Like, I, I thought you were actually playing something right there. I thought you were, when you said the your auto impression. Oh. So uh, another tip of the hat to you oh, guys man. for your auto I'm, I'm, Thank you. I'm sure we're doing significant damage to our uh, voice boxes. You know, you oh, can yeah, hear yeah. the nodes forming as we every time we do it. <laughs> it's funny, too. They mentioned that he's... Now that you mentioned the, that he was based on Wally Walidarski and his long hair at the time, because if anybody knows what Wally Walidarski looks like, it's because later in life, like he appears in several Wes Anderson films, like he's a collaborator with Wes Anderson. He's in uh, Darjeeling Limited and and but his characters like they make fun of him for being completely hairless in it, like that he is a very hairless guy. And so it's funny, like. Otto is based on him being incredibly hairy, and now now he is the hairless guy that like uh, Owen Wilson makes fun of in a, in a movie. And he basically plays the same character in Fantastic Mr. Fox, which I watched recently. I was like, all right, he's he's like a, the fifth most important character in Fantastic oh, Mr. Fox. I had no idea. Yeah, he's he's a, a fun little possum guy who's uh, who's like the right hand man of Fantastic of of the Mr. Fox. Uh, Bob, I don't know if you want to see that or if you've seen it before. It's uh, that is bird violence. The movie man, birds really take it in that movie. He disgusts me. That Wes Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, look, man, he's a do fox. You, do you know if 
Yeah, is uh, Waldarski in Asteroid City? Do you know if he's going to be in the new mm. Wes Anderson? I got to think I he will. I got to think he is. Mm. He's would, a regular yeah. now. He's the Jeff Goldblum. You know, he's like in every one. <laughs> I, you know, I did, uh, I'm looking forward to that one. I'm looking forward. I've to never that. heard Wally Waldarski talk. Does he sound like Otto? Is he like I'm a cool possum? No, he sounds like a dork. <laughs> like that's why he uh. plays like nerds in his movie in Wes Anderson movies. He sounds like a nerd, <laughs> or maybe he's playing up his nerd voice. I'll tell you, that's a killer Otto. You have a killer auto. <laughs> well, I'll be replacing Harry Shearer soon. <laughs> this is just one long con to get onto the show to play one character who speaks every eight episodes. <laughs> have you guys done a walk-on for the voice? Uh, for any voices yet? I mean, it seems like they should have you on they, at some point. They should. Not yet. Not they yet. don't welcome non... Uh, sorry, they don't welcome Simpsons podcasters. Uh, yeah, no, we probably... We should be at the top of the list when that day comes. And if there's ever a Simpsons yeah. podcaster before us on there, I'll be sad. But uh, it's, it's my theory, really, that like back in the uh in the aughts on the commentaries they would complain about like websites and forums if they were still making commentaries they'd be complaining about us on there and i need to hear them <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> i really uh, need to hear them insulting us uh so uh so i have one last clip here it's the happy ending because uh auto busts in full of excitement patty is ready to fail him all over again but then she realizes that he hates homer simpson too and she instantly lets him cheat and just gives him all the answers. I love how quickly she says, like, A, B, B, A. Like, Two raspy voice characters sharing the scene. I love it. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, it's a rasp off. And this is when uh, Otto gets his license. Well, if it isn't we, Willie Washout. I want to take the test again. Why? So I can staple my license to Homer Simpson's big bald head. Really? Well, here's your written test. I'll get you started. B, C, D, A, B. Homer had a piece of food in his face for three days. <laughs> it wasn't little either. It was a chicken wing. <laughs> wing. <laughs> what was that? Uh, it doesn't matter. Let's get some margaritas. I'm buying. That's what my driver's license says. Hail to the bus driver, bus driver, bus driver. Yes, hail to the bus driver, bus driver man. Uh, great rockin' finale there. Yeah, and actually, if you listen to the end of the credits uh, on the episode, there's like a Gracie Films like rock and roll sting. They changed the Gracie Films oh. music. I usually never stick around say. that long. Yeah, I thought they were going to change. I, I remembered them changing the Simpsons outro theme to the guitar version, but no, it was just the Gracie logo at the end. And also, uh, was it Patty or Selma? It was, was, it was Patty. It was, yeah. It was Patty. Like her choice of drink being margaritas was perfect. That's spot on. That's totally what she would want to get after work. And it, you know, let's go get some margaritas. And she's buying. Like that's how excited yeah. she is. Like I'm paying for this. Like I want to. She wants more Homer being terrible stories. Yeah. I loved her. I loved her. The it's so natural the way she goes. Like ah, wing. Ah, like just, <laughs> there's a great moment earlier where they're both laughing about Homer getting his nose caught in the toaster, and Patty goes, "We'll watch the tape tonight." Yes. <laughs> they have a video of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, and the animation of him just plow. You only see the backs of them, but him just plowing over all of the pedestrian. So yeah, yeah. he, goes, oh, yeah. he goes, "What was that?" And she's like, uh, uh, "Nothing. Nothing." Yeah. I think the last one was like a, a like a, a parent and their child yes. too. I think it was like a child the standee. Yeah. yeah the standee. And it was... just explodes into a bunch of splinters. God. And yes, uh, when we see his license, you see his birth date. 
he's 29 when this aired 60 years old now that's how that's how time works and <laughs> and also yeah that apparently jake hogan and wally waldarski they created the auto character for their uh they wrote the first episode uh first ish episode homer's odyssey uh, it was the first script the not the first pilot you listeners you all know this but Otto first appears in that they wanted his last name to be mechanic because apparently there was an executive at fox whose last name really was mechanic so like oh it's a fun reference auto mechanic but uh it was decide on his license though it is auto man with two n's i believe right? because i guess bart would say hey auto man is that uh, why yeah, yeah yeah so now it makes it his his true name and we didn't say this at any point during the podcast but this is uh, uh directed by wes archer and i think he is the most rock and roll of the simpsons early directors of course he would go on to be lead director on king of the hill and help develop that show but uh in seasons three and four he only directs two episodes each so in this season he only did this and uh, mr lisa goes to washington but this is a great looking episode yeah yeah he he stepped back because he was not having a good time i think working on the simpsons deadline so he only did two of those seasons but this is so great yeah the rock and just general animation compliments too like the rock music stuff that uh of of spinal tap playing like that just looks really good like it's not it's not comedic it's just like oh that's just like great guitar playing and dancing around the stage and also the details of like Nigel's tongue hanging out which is like his whole thing was like having the tongue they had the tongue hanging out just like small details like that yeah nailed and it. don't forget the drawing of Milhouse under all the chairs saying <laughs> no. help yeah. uh, I mean that's, that's just a... we gotta find that cell that's yeah. gotta be the cell to the, the cells man, the cells are only getting more pricey I learned it myself trying to get there was a really good auction full of great cells and I was like well this one can't go for more than 600 right goes for a thousand goes for 12 I didn't buy any of them oh. I had I had a limit on them the the cells oh. the cells are going Did we miss the bus on this I think we missed the bus on this Right. I mean, if you're if you're ready to spend, uh, I mean, I bought, I did buy a five hundred dollar cell, but uh, that's the that one was like four hundred. That one there, but that one down there, that was that was five six hundred dollar cell. Well worth it. Yeah, I think so. I think so. It's, well, if you buy, the, you probably get more for it now. Mm-hmm. They, they are collect. This is what yeah. I told my husband. They're collectors' item. They're only getting more rare. Really. <laughs> well, yeah. if you get that Millhouse mm-hmm. cell, people will ask like, why is there a drawing of a pile of chairs on your wall? And you can say, <laughs> look closer. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I got one. Our co-host on on our VCR party YouTube show, George, gifted me uh, for a birthday a still of uh, Martin um, in, and Bart in the uh, treehouse. And uh, I can't remember what episode this is from, but uh, I always wanted a Simpsons animation cell, and, and now I got one. So hangs proudly above my bathroom. I need. I do need one of at least one of the nerds now. I do. If uh, if Martin Martin Millhouse or database uh, the database ones. Is, uh, I wonder if the database ones are they rarer, but are are they also cheaper because it's a character mm. not m- as many people want. I wonder. Yeah. What's the market for database? Yeah. What's the What's the economy for database cells like? Yeah. Good question. I need to. I need to find these answers. Well, when my wife and I get our new place, we will buy the cell to rule them all. Mm. It will be the ten thousand dollar Homer skipping through the land of chocolate cell. <laughs> Oh, you've been ho- worth it. When we were at the, uh, I say this every oh, time, boy. but it's better to say this when when uh, the person who helped us go to. Oh it yes, is yes, here. We, yes. Then we can thank him again. <laughs> when we went to the, with me, Bob and Dina went to the Simpsons table read that Nick. So again, Nick, thank you so much for hooking us up with that. That was yeah. That was our buddy Mark Malikoff who was the did the heavy lifting on that one. Yes, but but we thank you too, Nick and 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 Mark. They Mark was so great that day. Uh, but at it, they were selling Simpson cells afterwards. They like had a table set up and they were selling Simpson cells. That's where I bought the Grandpa one. 
that's behind me here and and you and Nina held off because there wasn't a truly great I I was like I have to buy one cell so I mm-hmm. got my favorite one that was there but there was no one that was like there wasn't one there that was like my dream cell and and you guys are being the more uh responsible with your money and waiting to buy the one you might mu- <laughs> like like oh a truly truly we're great not cell. having children we're having what? our dream cell <laughs> <laughs> what so that the the table read had a merch table uh, like, they were selling it like, at the on the lot about uh, about a half a block about a block away near the uh, near the studio store. This was on the Fox Studio lot. There was a guy there who's just like, "We've got cells. Like, you want to buy them? Like, they they were just selling them. It's like I, a merchandise tent. I mean, yeah, it was crazy. It's like an impulse buy too. As you're leaving, yeah, you're on your way out. Yeah, my my dream cell, if I could ever get one, is is remember when Krusty gets canceled? Where um, Krusty has a dummy. He's he's trying to compete with Gabo, and he has the dummy, and then. Uh, he, he says, it's not alive, it's dead. And he throws it into the audience and then it just kind of lays lifeless in the audience <laughs> oh, and yeah. all the children are going, ah! Just the drawing of the lifeless dummy in the uh, audience of the Krusty show would be n- my number one. That is a great one, man. Uh, I'd like uh, Joe, if you could get one cell, what would you get? Like, is there well, one? I already, I already said the Millhouse one. That was my. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, I love Principal Skinner, uh, and my wife loves Chalmers, and that does not describe our relationship in any way, by the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we want something with them. Uh, but I think we would both go in on like a Mr. Burns cell. But it's going to be a long discussion, and it's going to be a huge investment <laughs> when it finally happens. <laughs> Actually, I'm, I'm going to switch it. I think it's when uh, Homer like washed his neck and then had the filthy <laughs> the filthy rag. Yeah. I think that would be a great one right there. The filthy rag. Yeah, holding that. Uh, that would be good. And you know what? There's no uh, cartoons have been animated on sales pretty much for like over 20 years now, so mm-hmm. they really are getting more valuable. Oh. Yeah. But that might be your retirement behind you. It, uh, you know, I'm hoping. I'm hoping. Hanging on your wall. Yeah. If Social Security hangs in there. You might not yeah. need to, but uh, it's, it's not. It's not going to. I bet, no, on, no, yeah. I bet on the worth of a cell off over my uh, Social Security actually yes. being paid to me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This has been a very long recording. Uh, final thoughts. Uh, you know, I, I feel like audio shouldn't have died here. You know, the character. Uh, I mean, he's just a gag character now, but I think there is room for another auto episode about him and his life and yes let's make an 80 year old man do this voice <laughs> yeah. if only to torture harry Shearer, let's do another auto episode i think there's more to him make him earn his 250k per episode yeah. yeah i can't believe that they i mean they didn't kill off auto but like they you know they didn't have any more episodes this is a great auto episode i thought that it would have produced more out of that but when they do nick talk to mark about getting he has connections to simpsons people both of you guys have killer auto impressions like let's get them to be let's have his kids on the show you know and then you guys are the you guys are the progeny of auto yeah yeah something like that all right thanks i'm auto junior (laughs) (laughs) it's uh no i i really like this episode too auto i think they're too negative on it on the commentary oh, i think so yeah. that it's like a weak episode i mean is it their yeah, most- but they're comedy writers yeah. i mean comedy writers are always taking about everything aren't they I mean, yeah. it, it's not the most tightly plotted one but everything's funny in it like the animation is some of the best of the whole season and and yeah i mean also the spinal tap actors might not have loved doing it but i thought i thought they were great in the episode i mean as far as like a oh this is kind of uh, a tip of the hat from insider like from comedy nerds to another like and and also this is kind of like 
it, by 92 this was spinal tap getting its flowers like this was it finally being big enough that like they could actually cash in and do more of spinal tap which we're gonna get it at least one more time in yeah. 2024 and i was just thinking that it's impossible to rent uh, it's not streaming anywhere but if you have disney plus you can watch like five minutes of spinal tap via the simpsons and that's like important to keep the idea alive well, I guess, uh, yeah, you, you guys, any final thoughts? Well, yeah, no, I think that you guys should be auto and that uh, <laughs> there should be more auto episodes coming forward. And, I'm, you know, I'm super happy that my niece and nephew are into The Simpsons because you guys will have jobs forever now. I mean, because if that, they're seven and nine. So, like, once they get older, I'm not going to tell them to listen to this particular podcast. <laughs> I don't think that, <laughs> I think we'll skip this one. I think there are a couple of words in it. Yeah. But, uh, but yes, you guys have a job forever. So oh, nice work. That's the only thing yeah, you can and do. I, I, I remember being disappointed because I was like, Spinal Tap, the world's converging and being disappointed. But in rewatching it, I liked it. I think the Spinal Tap thing, it's a, a fake band on a fake show. I think there's still a little something weird about that. But the Otto stuff, I think, was really strong. So, yeah, I, this episode was redeemed in my mind on the rewatch. Well, thank you again, Joe and Nick. Uh, please let us know where to find you online. And please remind everybody about the new documentary, Chop and Steal. Yeah. You can see that in theaters and on demand uh, starting May 9th, and uh, that's at chopandsteel.com, or you can go to foundfootagefest.com. That's uh, all of our tour dates for both Found Footage Festival shows and the movie. We have a, a show called uh, VCR Party on Tuesday nights on YouTube and Facebook, and Saturday morning cartoons on Saturday morning on Saturday mornings on uh, YouTube and Facebook. Also, I think that's all our plugs, right? We'd love to have you back on Saturday morning cartoons. I mean, yeah, we got to have you guys. Oh, thank you're you. the experts. You need one more podcast to record in your lives, right? That's that's what you're looking <laughs> well, for. Well, I love to. doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I remember I did the Hulk Hogan wrestling cartoon. If folks want to look mm-hmm. up uh, the episode I was on, I uh, which I believe one? I was on the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. Episode? Episode? Uh, three. Yeah. Oh, three. It was three. Yeah. 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 No, that was so much yeah. fun. I like you guys are on Patreon as well, just like us, right? Yeah. Yeah. We're trying to eck out a living doing uh <laughs> talking about uh old things as well. Yes. No, I love you guys are still doing Lord's work and I love that you can still find new things in the in the VHS bins all around America. It's like bottomless pit we just we think we run out and then all of a sudden we get a box the next day and that's the other cool thing is that people watch our show and then they they send us stuff so now just stuff shows up at our doorstep so ah, that's yeah i'm as excited as i have ever been about doing it because we just keep finding uh new incredible stuff and i i wish you guys lots of luck someday getting alf uh on your- it'll happen <laughs> i fingers crossed i'm very excited about the possibility joe is nonplussed but i really want <laughs> yeah, whatever take it leave it yeah if he if he comes on great if he doesn't (laughs) oh but thank you guys so so much thank you yeah thank you thanks bob and henry thanks again to nick and joe of the found footage festival please check out everything they do as well as chop and steal a movie about them and as for us if you check out more of what we do and get these podcasts one week ahead of time and ad free please head on over to patreon.com slash talking simpsons sign up there for five bucks a month you get just that but also access to everything behind the five dollar paywall that's over 150 bonus miniseries podcasts and monthly access to new episodes of both talking futurama and talking the hill if you've never been on our patreon before there's nearly six complete years worth of content waiting for you the second you sign up at patreon.com slash talking simpsons and there's a ten dollar level as well when you sign up for that you can access all of the uh, five dollar stuff naturally but you can also access one extremely long podcast 
once a month, only for patrons of that level or higher. And what is that, Henry? Bob is talking about the What a Cartoon movie podcast. Me and Bob going as in-depth as we do on The Simpsons into an animated feature film for our $10 and up subscribers at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. This month, we're doing our April tradition of covering live action. So we are covering the live action Little Shop of Horrors 1986 musical. It is going to be a ton of fun. And uh, the month before that, we covered Ardman's 2000 Classic Chicken Run. We have a giant back catalog, over 50 episodes of What a Cartoon Movie, in addition to all the $5 things Bob just mentioned for your $10 a month subscription there. Uh, we've covered so many varied things, tons of anime, tons of American stuff, stuff like South Park or Who Framed Roger Rabbit for six and a half hours. We talked about that. Everything from Akira to a goofy movie, I like to say. You need to check it all out for yourself. See everything you're missing out on at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. And I've been one of your hosts, Bob Mackey. You can find me on Twitter as Bob Servo. And my other podcast is Retronauts. It's a classic gaming podcast all about old video games. You can find that wherever you download your podcast or go to patreon.com slash Retronauts. Sign up there for two full-length bonus episodes every month. And Henry, how about you? I'm Henry Gilbert. And please follow me on Twitter at H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G. I'm always tweeting up a storm as well. You should be following the official Twitter account of this podcast, at Talk Simpsons Pod. If you follow at Talk Simpsons Pod on Twitter, you get to stay up to date whenever we have new episodes whenever we do a live show whenever we've got stuff on the patreon you'll learn about it first if you follow at talk simpsons pod on twitter so please do that and the same goes for our awesome instagram account too at talk simpsons pod on there as well and of course if you want to keep up to date on all this stuff and find all of our previously released free podcasts head on over to talking simpsons podcast.com Thanks so much for listening, folks. We'll see you again next time for the latest episode of our community podcast, Talk to the Audience, and we'll see you then. Official Tour 92 t-shirts, $31. Check it out. Final tap kicking Momar Gaddafi in the butt. The time is classic. Now two for a dollar.